Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's time for the Thursday afternoon, just before Friday, Monday morning podcast, and I'm just checking in on you. Um, and once again, we have a guest. This is like we have guests all through February. Um, how do I intro this son of a bitch? This guy I've known for like 30, coming up on 31 years. He literally, the first time I ever did stand-up, it was a comedy competition, Find Boston's Funniest college students it was a competition they needed judges this guy was one of the judges he literally saw the first time i went on stage and uh amazing comedian and he has a new book out called billionaire boogeyman which i've been reading it's a fucking page turner please welcome the one and only todd parker dude Bill Todd Burr. Parker, what's going on, Bill man? Burr, how you doing? I'm good, good man. Good to see you. How come let's, you know, let's just fucking address it. All right, all right. Right out of the gate. Here we go. What was it about my set on March 2nd, 1992 that just fucking <laughs> made you not pick me and you picked uh, somebody else? What was it? What did you not see? It was 92. See? Puppets were not in at that time. <laughs> I thought, you know what? I, it wasn't even a good puppet. It's like made out of paper cups and shit. And I'm like, eh. Come on. I didn't have that. I did have a dental mask, though, you, for what I had. You were technically a prop act. And you know what's funny? What? Was you were the guy that made me realize that I, that, because back then, dude, how rigid were the, were the, oh. um, the, the lines back then, like you couldn't fucking do anything. It was so weird. Like it started off like Milton Berle, 40 years earlier, is in like a fucking dress on TV, you know, totally in drag, anything for a laugh. And by the time 1992, it literally became, you know, if you moved around too much, you were a hack. <laughs> it was like, dude, you should just be able to stand there without even moving and just say your jokes and fucking kill. So I, I had a, uh, I worked in a dental office with my dad my dad and um i had like this 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 thing when you were drilling people's teeth all this shit would come out of their mouth it was fucking disgusting and the nerve people have to hate the dentist the way they don't even take care of their teeth then you come in and you you fix them and they're like oh they, they blame you for the pain right so it was a fucking like a tennis visor and it, had, it was all plastic and it had this clear plastic like a welding mask and that was my closing bit. I would be like, you know, talking about working in a dental office. I mean, my job's so fucked up. I'd be like, I have to wear this. And I would put it on and the crowd would go nuts, of course. And then I had no joke. And then I would have it on and I'd go, good night, everybody. <laughs> you, you had a joke. I remember a joke. You oh, had a line. You had a line about uh, people not taking care. You think one Tic Tac in the lobby is going to cover up six months of regret? No, no. Uh, no, that wasn't the mask joke. The mask was, I just put it on. That was... Uh, I'll give you guys a hint. Yeah. What was it? Uh, 20 years neglect is not cured by a tic-tac in the waiting room. That's right. That's, That's what right. I said. Yeah. I said, you think you got it bad? You know, you don't brush your You have any idea what that smells like? Let me <laughs> tell you something. He goes, 20 years of neglect is not cured by a tic-tac in the waiting room. Because that they all be doing from there, chewing and putting these fucking breath, all these fucking garbage mouth people. I didn't shame in. you about it, though. Dude, I had another joke on my act. This guy came in the office and he said... Uh, he said, Doc, you know, I, I keep getting these cavities. I don't know. What I mean, I brush my teeth almost every day. And then my line in my act was, oh, yeah, do you wipe your ass almost every time you take a shit? <laughs> and I was working totally clean. And then I didn't know. Like, oh, look at this wholesome Ron Howard looking guy. And then I would, do you wipe your ass almost every time you take a shit? Good night, everybody. And I would always do that. So anyway, I fucking had that goddamn mask. And you were the guy. And we were upstairs at the Kowloon. And I sat down, because I remember I had a little duffel bag. I would bring it up on. It was so fucking bad, dude. So embarrassing. So I literally said to you, like, 
You're like, hey, dude, how's it going? You know, fucking Todd Parker. Hey, dude, how's it going? And <laughs> wow, I was, it sounds just like me. And I was like, uh, I was like, yeah, man, it's going good. You know, I was like, you know, I kind of, uh, kind of stopped doing that dental mask thing. You know, I was kind of thinking like, you know, it's kind of like I'm so not funny that I have to bring stuff on stage to make me funny. And you just went, yeah. <laughs> and when you said that, dude, like literally my heart sunk. I'm like, oh my God, everybody thinks I'm a fucking hack. Oh, what a dick. I'm sorry. My I'm career's sorry. over. You're what not alone. Dick. I, had, I had props at the beginning too. You know, I, did, I had two props when I first started out. The first thing, my first few times, I, at the time, all the rage in the 80s were guys driving IROCs, right? You know, honking at girls. Yeah. That was every, so many such a great car. Had, yeah. But such a great car. I had a, I had a bike horn that I had under my shirt. And you mm -hmm. couldn't see it. I was way skinny back then, and you just couldn't see it. So I would do an impression <laughs> of these Italian guys who drive IROCs. Like, how do they honk at girls when they don't have the car? Like, what are they in the mall? And I go, eh, eh, like that. And it always got a laugh. Yes. But I think, like, maybe Tony V was one of the early guys who went, hmm, like I did to you. Like, hmm, yeah. So I was like, oh, props are bad. What, what about the night you forgot the horn? And you're like, oh, fuck, I can't, <laughs> I can't do the joke. And then you're just like, and I got to cover this time and I don't have enough. I need the not having an IROC <laughs> horn in my pants joke. Terror. 30% of my five minutes. Yeah, it was terror. So we all, we both, the two of us started, uh, you started a couple of years. When did you start? 87, 88? 88. 88. So yeah. I started in 92. So you were a grizzled vet to me. God, this guy's been oh. doing it four years by the yeah. time... Uh, I started, and that that was back when Nick's Comedy Stop was just the fucking place uh, to be. Hmm. And I was talking about that earlier. It was like this great sort of also weird time in Boston where like the the theater district, the combat zone, which is where all the hookers and pimps and drug addicts and all that shit were, and then Chinatown all sort of like overlapped each other. And you walked out and you had no idea what you were going to run into is like, am I going to get some comedy? I see a good show. Am I going to get a hooker? Mm -hmm. Am I going to get stabbed? Am I going to get some great Chinese food? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Dominic's was like the bar in Star Wars. There I was, know. Everything was in there. There were cops. There were hookers. There were bikers. I yeah, and it was sort of like this Switzerland where the hookers could come in. Yes. Chill. Everybody knew who everybody was. Right. And then the comics, Noxie, rest his soul, everybody mm. else, they would be in that corner. And that was like a big deal for me. Like, not only because, you know, when you're first a new comic, you would walk in the front door yeah. and there was that big guy sitting there. I know yeah. he's not here anymore. Rest that was Dominic. Soul. That was Dominic. That was Dominic. Yeah. Dude, that guy looked like Porky from fucking the movie Porky's. <laughs> he it did. And he was one of those guys who sat with his fucking legs like this. The fat was the shirt. The fat was the pants. And then these two little skinny legs. Mm -hmm. And he used to sit there and he had like that cane. Hey, do I yeah. you old enough? All right, get in there. And, and when you were a young comic, you would walk in the front door. But when you started to get, I remember the first time I walked over there, Noxie was just like, hey, you know, good set tonight, buddy. Why don't you come over to the, uh, come over to Damas with us. And I walked with him and somebody else. You know, they were all like six foot something. Those mm -hmm. original comics. Huge guys, yeah. Big guys. And they walked through the back door. I was like, oh my God, I'm going through the back door. And you walk in and it was like clearly just fucking all of, of what you just mentioned and then all of the customers in future yeah. arrest, all the Johns. Yeah. Like everybody was just like, 
All right, let me take a break before I get another blowjob. Right. Yeah, and there was always some couple who came in there by accident. You know, like the people who had theater tickets. Right. Who walked across the street from the show, and they walk in, and they're surrounded all of a sudden by Larry Pucci and bikers and hookers and cops, and everybody's just laughing and loud. And they're like, uh, could, could we get a... Uh, you know, a, a, a screwdriver or whatever. Yeah, yeah. coming out of the, like, the wang, which kind of brings me to this book here. What a segue. Wow. What a segue, wow. huh? Uh, this is his new book, uh, Billionaire Boogeyman, which has everything that, oh, let me, there you go. Everything that I love in it, it's got the Illuminati, it's got conspiracy theory, it's got fucking uh, um, um, Bilderberg group type of stuff, all the conspiracies, all jammed in this book, and... Where I am in the book, it takes place right, seems like, down there, Warrington Street, Stewart Street, all of that shit right yeah. down there, Nick's comedy stuff. So um, what, uh, since I've known you, you've never been a novelist, dude. At what point did you uh, sit down? Because I know you've done stand-up, you've mm -hmm. painted. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, you're like this sort of low-key triple threat here. Now all of a sudden you wrote a book and I'm sitting there going like, oh my God, Todd Parker. He writes. That he fucking, can read. That fucking jerk off from the cow. <laughs> that fucking load. kid can read from Rivera. Really? Yeah. I started reading it on on the plane. I'm like, this is, it fucking destroyed the flight. I just I killed it. I just thanks, kept reading. Man. It was Thank great. You. It's it. an actual. It's an actual. Ter I hate how you just said thanks. It's it just, it squeaked. It bugged me. It did. Yeah, it bugged me too. It as soon as me. it came out, I'm like, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna jump on that. It makes me yeah. not want to. He's promote not gonna your let book. that go. I'm not gonna promote <laughs> your book. <laughs> Okay. You know what it was? It was the happiness. There was joy in it. You can't stand other and people being And there was being excitement. So no, as comedians, our rule yeah. is we have to, we have to, lay, I, I got to kill that right now. Right. What was it about the guy that you didn't vote for that night 30 years ago, 31 years ago? You know what? Ago, I, wish, liking, I wish. Liking the book that made you so excited. Because you knew it was a legitimate compliment because you've known for years. I was like, one you've of these been, days. You've been huh? grudging on me for 31 years. Yep. I wish I could go back in time. And I tell people this story whenever anybody asks, like, hey, do you know Bill Burr? Like, when it comes out, I'm a Boston comic. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, as a matter of fact. And I tell them, and they're like. That's not what you say. Yeah, I know that fucking hack. <laughs> That no. son of a bit used to bring no, a no. dental mask on stage. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I have to navigate carefully when I talk about you. Why? Because it goes into like, so, uh, wait, he used to open for you? Really? Yeah. Well, then, okay, so you're here at Chuck Chuck's and he's way up there. How did that happen? So I want to avoid all that. that. You know how that happens? Because this, this business isn't fair. Oh, stop it's, it. You're it's, just it's, being it's humble and nice. Random. It's random. Come on, save that for the... Listen, first of all, you know I'm not nice. <laughs> That's not true. I, I, you've got the image, but I know underneath it all, you're a caring, sensitive guy. It comes out. I know. Oh, you don't want people to know that. Fuck you, too. You want everybody to know Bill Burr. Fuck you, God. You fucking can't. But everybody, everybody knows you're really nice. Everybody dude, who knows you knows that. Dude, I got mad at a hanger yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what did the hanger do? It broke. With uh. no, I just took a shirt off it, and it fucking exploded. And it just it just set me off with this like like how much fucking money do you have to make? Right. And you know they sit there going like, okay, they, they can take the shirt off like three point seven times, and then it's going to explode. What kind of hanger was it? Because I'm very particular about my hangers. I like I the too. plastic ones with the metal top that turns. Exactly. And I'll, no, I no, I like the uh, the ones that have like the fake velour. Oh, I hate those. On those, yeah, I, that, that I, top I the like top them. comes right off. The velour one like sticks to my t-shirts. I don't like I don't like that feeling. When you go to pull the t-shirt off that velour, that bugs me. That like I can really tell, dude. Yeah, no, seriously, I'm not fucking around right you now. You know what I don't like? I don't like the fucking hangers from the dry cleaner. I take those back. 
<laughs> Who's those are the, like the, the ghetto gangers? You know, no, but they're those. great hangers. But it's also like I, I, you know, I am into the environment. You know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you, little you bit. can tell by little the way bit. I dress. A little bit. A little bit. A little, little bit. bit. I like it. You know, I'm not gonna know. You know, say I don't try to. You know, try to drink out of metal. I oh, dropped this thing me. so many times. Look at this thing. It's like fucking tipping over here. Is that supposed to be flat? It's supposed to be flat, but I keep dropping <sighs> it in the parking lot and in my driveway. So if you look at the bottom there. Oh, shit. I just poured water on me. There we go. Oh, I got a good joke for that. It's like the back of some fat chick's thighs. Ouch. Um, <laughs> or, to be fair, yeah. the side where my man tits are. Um, anyway. <laughs> I have a good Dominic story. I don't know if you know this Okay. One. What do you got? Did you ever go to karaoke night at Dominic's? I don't remember which night it yes. was. Maybe it was Tuesday. I'm not sure. And I saw Dane Cook crush uh, uh, that Queen song. That Bohemian thing. Rhapsody or something? Called Love. Da, 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 really? Da, da. Fucking killed it. And I remember going like, there's no fucking way this kid's not going to make it. Right. Because he was already killing on stage. Go ahead. I used to do um, Dream On. Badly. Like, no. I can't sing. Oh, okay. I know I can't sing. But uh, I was so bad at it that the crowd would like it. And it would be jammed in there. It would be jam-packed. And one time, there were all these bikers. There was a line of 20 motorcycles out front. And they were all in, surrounding the stage, right? Remember they had that, like, brass railing? Oh, dude, you don't fuck with Aerosmith with those bikers in Boston. I was having fun. I'm 22 years old, having a blast. What do, what okay. do I know? So the, do you remember the brass railing that went around? It was like a... Yes. So I'm doing Dream On badly. And the crowd was with me, but these bikers, like you said, they, one guy just wasn't having it. And he climbs up over the railing, and he gets down in front of me on all fours, and he starts going like, the hell? He's, he's covered in leather and studs. And, and I was so young and so stupid that I just thought, oh, he wants to fuck with me? I'll fuck with him. So I got down behind him, and I grabbed his hips, and I started dry fucking Oh, my God. Him. I swear to God. <laughs> and he goes, what the fuck? And he, and he goes to get up, but I'm clamped on. I do not let go. And he's, like, trying to get away. And How hard are his friends laughing? They're dying. They're dying and screaming and standing up. <laughs> And he goes over, he goes over to the brass railing, and he's climbing it up like Apollo Creed at the end of like Rocky II, and he's like, Ugh, and he keeps going down, and I am not letting go, and I'm just going, bark, 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 like that, and his friends go nuts, and then finally, you know, the, we wrap up, he gets away, and I could not pay for a beer whenever those bikers were there afterwards. I was like a god. Are you fucking kidding no, they me? they loved it. What about the guy you did it to? Was he laughing he too? He kept his distance. No, he <laughs> kept his distance. He was not You kind happy. of assaulted him. A little bit, but you know, he, he drew first blood, not me. He crawled. He... Dude, I love that you didn't let go. No, I did. I had the death grip on him. I was not letting go. He was like walking like around. The guy He's walking on around. the back of the Bronco. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, he was like not a huge guy. He was like one of the skinnier ones, you know, because I was tiny. Dude, is there anything worse than when you think you're going to be the the guy joking and you become the fucking joke like oh, oh. i'm gonna be the i'm gonna be the cut up i'm yeah. gonna be the guy with the lampshade on my head yeah and next thing you know simulated ass rape that's <laughs> <laughs> how it goes <laughs> a tale as old as time yet for dominic's that's just another tuesday i know dude that was such a and what a fucking slice of pizza it was like a double mm. slice of pizza you know what's funny oh, dave yeah. portnoy said something very profound about pizza uh, the guy from Barstool Sports, if you don't know who he is. I know you got you kids. You know I don't. I know you got kids. You got kids. No, you, I you, mean, the sport in... aspect. You know I have okay. no idea. Oh, that's sports right. In it, right. I have no clue what you're talking about. Um, he was saying a giant slice of pizza is never good. Was basically, you know, it's like, that's like you're hammered. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just like they're trying to make it up with like the portion. Dominic's was the only place in Boston I ever got a double slice. Uh-huh. That was the only thing that ever broke that rule. Because I remember when he said that <clears throat> he does these pizza reviews. And when he said that, 
I forget where I was. I just went, yes. Yeah. That is that is a hundred percent fucking. Anytime there's a giant slice, I got one in Philly. Mm-hmm. People, somebody told me to go there. There's this giant slice of pizza, dude. It fucking sucked. Mm. Fucking sucked. And then you ate all those calories. It's the worst. Yeah, the Dominic slice was great. It had the perfect amount of grease. Like if you held it, the grease would drip. And that's how oh, yeah. I judge a good slice of pizza. I like uh, grease. <laughs> I do. Not so much anymore. Let me ask you: How yeah. the fuck do you grow up in Boston, and you don't, and you're not into sports? Did you hate your dad? Was he into sports and this was <laughs> your way of rebelling? I was the sheep in my family. My dad and my brother, huge sports nuts. But I just never got it. I mean, football, baseball, it's a bunch of guys in tights running around in the grass. I don't, what? If you can't simulate ass raping them, you have no interest. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it just doesn't appeal to me. I just, you know, I'd have conversations with my dad. We'd be trying to get me into it, you know? Like, oh, this is a really important game. Watch this. And he, like, something would happen. Somebody would jump. And I'd go, well, the $6 million man can jump like that. And he'd be like, the $6 million man's not real. And I'm like, well, so? But what's going on? Oh, you like, would go sci-fi on him? That's like the, the double heartbreak. You broke oh, yeah. his heart. I did break his heart. Yeah, I did. Now, let me ask you this. Was yeah. there anything like uh, when your kids were coming up? Um, is there any? Because I've already started to experience this. Well, my kids tell me that sports are boring. Like, Dad, you always watch sports, they're boring, because they're young, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son likes car racing, because he loves the movie Cars. So if he actually sees real cars for two laps, he'll be like, dada, vroom, vroom. He'll do that, and then he's just like, right, I'm bored with this shit, and he wants to watch garbage trucks pick up trash. So was there, was there anything, and oh. how did you handle it if they did? Um, it's heartbreaking. You know, I wish that they were more into comic books, and they're not, And but I gotta accept it, I gotta take it. But luckily, both my kids are huge horror movie fans. So oh, that's that, cool. Yeah, so that's overlap. great. Because I started them out real young. Like, probably I was a bad parent. I shouldn't have let them see the things that they've seen. But, you know, living All in right, L.A. what movies? Early on, they were pff, watching things like The Exorcist and The Ring. and <laughs> <laughs> The Ring? The Ring, yeah. Oh, dude, I got a story about that one. Tell me. I was in fucking Peoria, Illinois. Mm-hmm. And an unknown Pete Holmes, still married, Pete Holmes, if you ever saw his, his uh, show uh, Crashing. I love Pete Holmes. He's funny. He's fucking hilarious. He was still married, and uh, he was opening for me at this place, Brewster's, I want to say. And during To Kill a Day, we went to go see a movie, and we went to the matinee of The Ring, and we walked into this dumpy theater, and we were literally the only two people, and that movie scared the... I, I, I can't handle... Like I take the ride, dude. Like, they scared the shit out of me. I fucking hate horror movies. They really? scared the, Oh, my God. They scared the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. So I fucking get back to my room. And right when I get back to my room, this fucking asshole, he called my room. And it was one of those, you know, Peoria. It was an old school <laughs> phone. <laughs> and it had that perfect ring. Dude, dude, my fucking heart just went down to my stomach. And I picked up and he goes, seven days. I'm like, you fucking <laughs> asshole. Oh, look who it is, everybody. It's Helix. That great... Heavy metal band from the 80s. Helix, everybody. It's Helix Sleep. Helix Sleep is a premium mattress brand that provides tailored mattress mattresses based on your unique sleep preferences. With Helix, lineups include 14 unique mattresses, including a collection of luxury models, a mattress for big and tall sleepers, and even a mattress made just for kids ages 3 to 12. You know what? I wish Andre the Giant was still alive and he could order a mattress from these guys and you would see how great they are at their job. So, how will you know which mattress, I'm telling you, it's a heavy metal name for a band, mattress works best for you and your body? Take the Helix Sleep Quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. Helix! 
knows that there's no better way to test out a mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Everyone is unique. Everyone's special, and they don't want to fill out job applications. I just want to click a button. And everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and, pref and feel preferences. If your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combined, combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It's the perfect combination of comfort and support. Plus, Helix! Coming to the Worcester Centrum live, Helix! Opening for Bon Jovi. Ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, ooh. Helix mattresses are American-made and come with a 10- to 15-year warranty depending on the model. Don't Want to take my word for it? Helix has been awarded the number one mattress pick by GQ and Wired Magazine. Dude, we just went there for Helix, you know? I fucking left when Bon Jovi came out. That's a fucking chick band. Helix! It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 20% off all their mattress orders and two free groupie, no, two free pillows for our listeners. <laughs> Go to helixsleep.com slash burr. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, uh, better sleep starts now. All right, this is all we got left here. This is the last one. Um, it's fight camp. All right, let's be honest. We could all use a little more motivation when it comes to working out. Allow me to introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Uh, allow me to introduce you to fight camp. Fight Camp is interactive at-home boxing. I don't want to actually get in a fight. I don't want to fill out applications. I don't want things to happen. They bring the best workout in the world into your home and make it fun. This is great. You can get it. You can be like fucking in boxer shape with no blows to the head. Right? So you can see that gold-digging whore coming for your eight-pack. Explore thousands of workouts led, led by expert trainers with decades of experience teaching proper boxing form and technique. Yeah, for the next time you go to a fucking Laker game. Fight Camp has, a, has live punch counting stats that motivate you by counting every punch throughout your workout and pushing you to meet your goals each round. As you progress, I'm going to fucking do this, man. I like those boxing workouts. I used to tape fights. I know I've told this before. All of my stories I've told at this point. I used to tape fights. And then I would rewatch the fights. And when the boxers were fighting, I would, I would skip rope. And then in between rounds, I would rest like they did. And at first, I could only do like fucking one and a half rounds. And then I, I worked my way all the way up. I think the longest was like eight rounds. And then I was just like, all right, I, I can't fucking do this. <laughs> and I'm thinking, these guys are actually fighting each other. All right. As you progress, you'll un unlock achievements. And you can go head-to-head -head against other members within whether they're across the country or across the living room. One of the best things about Fight Camp is that it makes boxing assess accessible to everyone. No matter what fitness level you're at, what your age is, or what your experience with boxing is, you can do it, all right? You can get up off the couch, and you're going to have a great time. So join the biggest boxing community in the world without leaving your home. The holiday season, this holiday season, you'll get a, oh, Jesus, this is some old copy. Uh, the holiday season, oh, it's Valentine's Day. It's a holiday too. Don't vagina shame me. 
Give me some fucking stuff. So I know you still love me. I like when you express your love and stuff. Uh, you'll also get a heart rate monitor. <laughs> Honey, I got to sit out. And a premium jump rope. Ooh, a premium jump rope for free. Yeah, when I was a kid, you used the extension cord. If you could get it away from your mother, uh, that's an ex- additional $148 value for free. Fight camp packages start at just $99. They also offer some great financing options so you can get started for as low as $9 a month. To get started and to get your free gifts with purchase, go to fightcamp.com slash burr. That's fightcap, fightcamp.com slash burr. Dude, that, that movie, there's a few that stayed with me. Mm-hmm. There's some like, you know, that I saw that, uh, you ever know, like just you watch like a horror movie and it like doesn't scare you as much as it's just sort of like a spectacle. Yeah. But then there's the ones that have you like looking over your shoulder. Right. Um, now, what, to me, like I, I feel my, my theory with horror movies is that the special effects got so good they forgot how to build suspense. Because back in the day when all they had was a guy in a wood, a wig with like a fucking axe yeah. in the woods, um, they had to build like that with the fucking music and looking around the corner and, oh, there's nobody there. And then the old school, you turn around and there he is. Like they used to build that up. Like I got, yeah. I got one for you. Okay. Uh, a low, uh, a, uh, um, a sort of like, I guess, a B-side horror movie. I saw this movie one night called Dark Night of the Scarecrow. Okay, yeah. You ever saw that? From the 70s, right? Oh, my God. With a guy who's mentally... Yes, there was always a guy, like, mentally ill. Yeah. Somebody always got raped, Mm -hmm. right? And all those 70s ones. It was was super fucking... That's a great movie. Dude, that movie scared the fucking shit out of me. It was basically this mentally challenged dude. (laughs) Yeah. Something happened. They blamed it on the mentally challenged dude, and then they killed him. And then the next... Because he hid in the scarecrow. Mm -hmm. And then they kill him. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the next fucking day, like a few days later, like after he's dead and, uh, you know, the townsfolk somehow, you know, I don't know, they just buy the story of the assholes, the football playing assholes who killed him. All of a sudden, like the wife of one of the guys, like the next day or something like that is just like, oh, honey, hey, thanks for, uh, you know, putting that scarecrow out in the field. <laughs> he's like, I didn't put a scarecrow out in the field. She goes, well, what's that? And they turn, they just, and they just cut to the scarecrow in the field. And they just go, like that. I was like, ah! like it just, I fucking hate that. And then it was like, it's weird because you should be rooting for this mentally challenged dude. But now right. he's like dead. And I'm like, no, nah, man. Yeah. It's weird. That was a weird movie because I, I, I kind of didn't know. It's like I'm supposed to be rooting for him, but you're playing this music like he's the bad guy now. Yeah. Like it kind of like it gets away from itself a little bit. They were much more suspenseful back in the 70s. Yeah. They really built it up. I mean, yeah. now everything is jump scares and loud noises and bang, bang, oh, dude, bang. But dude, I have to, I, li- I got to wear earplugs to the movies because I, I have tinnitus from drums and right. helicopters. I actually, mm-hmm. something fucking, I had a four wheeler I towed the helicopter out with and it fucking backfired like a gunshot in my fucking ear. Ugh. I know. Thank God it came back down, though. Came back down. So then I just gotta, I gotta chill. I'm glad you're okay. Like you know. No, I was worried. You're such a dick. You've been a dick for fucking thirty. That's why now you're gonna shit on me. No. Oh, now you're gonna be the victim. You you call me up. You beg me to be on your podcast. I come on here. Now you're shitting all over me. (laughs) Making a fool out of me. Can I take you? There's a hundreds. There's a barber shop right down the street. Can I get your goatee lined up? It looks like a goatee growing into a beard. Why does it go out so fucking far? That has bugged me. For good, like seven, good. seven, which fucking is my years. intention. I'm glad. Too many guys do it this way. I'm glad you shaved. What are you doing? You were out of control with that thing. 
What are you talking about? The giant fucking Chris Kringle red beard you had for a while. <laughs> the big Fenway Park show. You didn't like that? I swear to God, when I got to the Fenway Park show, the only thing in my head was, I hope he shaved the fucking beard. I hope he's not going to go up like that. Because I saw you a few nights earlier at Giggles. And I'm like, that beard's out of control, man. He looks like a fucking no, no, I, I lumberjack. Got it, I, I got it fixed. I, I got it, yeah. I, I just, I got it lined up before I went up there. But it was still making a statement. Dude, you look like you put your face in something. Dude, you look like the guy in that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon from the kids, the one who's walking around. Like, that's what I think of when I see when your beard's that big. You know what's funny? I used, to, I used to get teased. All the, like Everybody loved those fucking claymation things when yeah. they came out. I'm like, ah, fuck, is the heat miser on tonight? <laughs> I go, there goes 10 days of my childhood. Right. 10 straight day. Hey, Bill Bursey, <laughs> ah, Mr. Heat Miser. <laughs> you know, when I was little, I'd be like, I don't, I don't look like that guy, I, I, which is the worst. Wait, you had a beard when you were a kid? <laughs> no, the heat miser. Oh, had, you're talking about the guy who his hair was up like yeah, that? Yeah, it was all fucking red and all sticking out and all that well, shit. Well, when you were younger, I don't know how you were as a kid, but when you were in your early 20s at Nick's back in the day, your hair was still doing that. Your hair was like really up. Yeah. I remember describing you to people. It was people. definitely a race like, ahead. I'd be talking to somebody, go, hey, have you, have you worked with Bill Burr yet? And they're like, who's Bill Burr? And I'm like, you know, he's that kid, you know, he's young. He looks like the guy from Simply Red. And they'd be like, oh, that kid. And I'm like, yeah, that kid. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bad period for me. We all had a bad period. Dude, we all, I was going to say, we all have bad periods. Um, yeah, that was probably, um, yeah, I was still in college. Yeah, you were, you were shy. That, that you were... was me. Yeah, but that was me subtly rebelling. That was re- <laughs> That was me. That was like how introverted I was. Against who? I'm not I don't know what. parents? You're walking around going, oh, yeah, dad. Yeah. No, I'm not going to be a dentist, dad. Here, suck it, dad. Look at my hair. Probably there was something going on. I don't even know, dude. But I was, I was a when I when you first met me, dude. I, I was a fucking mess, dude. I was. A <laughs> no, that's wrong. That's not correct. No, that, that doesn't go along with my memory. When I first met you, oh, you met who? you were a normal, like easygoing, kind of shy kid. Oh, absolutely. No, I no, remember... that's, that's who I thought I was. That's, that's who I thought I was. I would. That was me. No, that was who I became. Because all the bullshit that happened me, I became that guy, so I got along with people so they would stop fucking with me. But that was not who I was at all. I remember a distinct change in you around 1999-2000, where you, me, uh, Wayne Previty went to Birds on Franklin. Rest his soul. Wayne Previty. You know what? Earlier when you go a little bit, about him last night. I I can't hear any Goodfellas reference without thinking of Wayne. I know. You know. You had a dream about him? Well, I had this long, fucked up dream. Mm -hmm. It was just a fucked up dream. I can't even, like, uh, am I even going to tell you? I was, for some reason, I was doing a roast for Mm -hmm. some football team, which I've done that before for sports teams. It's not the easiest gig. So I was doing it, and I said something, and the whole fucking room got quiet, like I offended somebody. And then this woman came over with her kids, and for some reason, they were there in the locker room. And she's just, and she came, it was, it was worse than her yelling at me. She just like hugged me and was like mm. crying on the side of my face. I'm like, what's the matter? She goes, why would you say those things? And I'm like, what are you fucking, she goes, I got my kids here. I'm like, there's guys showering over there. You're in a locker room. I did that. And some, I forget, and it progressed somehow in the end. I was in one of my old apartments in New York. Mm-hmm. And Wayne Previty, who I loved to death, unfortunately, who passed away, came walking through the door. And then these two West Highland Terriers came running out that they were mine. We used to have West Highland Terriers when I was a kid. Oh, okay. And, and we used to tease the shit out of them and they would attack company. And I was totally uh, 
freaking out that they were going to bite Wayne. And they didn't. They came out and they were nice. Hmm. Yeah. So what that is, I think that part of the dream represents how I came up. And then I'm realizing that my kids are not going to be like me. They're actually going to be nice and not be fucking lunatics. I understand that. As far as the woman crying on me, I don't know what that is. She's probably like, you know, you're just a hurt kid. Stop hurting other people, you asshole. You're too old to be doing this. Yeah, I don't. You know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then I, the naked guys is just par for the course. <laughs> naked guys just. When have you not had a dream with naked guys? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, doesn't everybody? <laughs> I mean, I dream every night of naked men. Although you know, Wayne visiting you a dream. I totally believe that when we see dead people in our dreams, mm-hmm. that's really them. Like I believe that. Like every maybe once. Well, he could have said something. <laughs> the fucking asshole. He just was standing there. He wasn't even smiling. He just opened the door and there he was. He's just letting you know he's watching. Dude, I used to hang out with Wayne Preverty like every single fucking day when I when I lived out here. You know, the first time and then the second time. I, li- I, I hung with that guy. We joined a gym together. We were at mm-hmm. this place called Bulldog Gym. I used to go there too, yeah. La Brea. It was a great fucking it was gym. It awesome. I mean, what, everything's something else now. But that Hollywood gym that went around the corner, Rogan, I think, used to go to that one. Yeah, Rogan went to the one across yeah. the street. Rogan's always had yeah. a gym. We all know that. That yeah. fucking guy has been sh- just shredding. When I met him, he was like that. He must have been voted like most likely to be jacked his whole life. I mean, there is something to be said, though, about never stopping working out and stuff because those guys, they, they yeah, fucking... Yeah, it's like elastic. It, it goes back. Yeah. 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 So, like, I kind of... I, I, me, I'm, I'm like a cardiogram as far as my working out. I wish I, wish I had... His, his discipline is, is insane. The first time I met Rogan was at a, a place called Barnaby's in Somerville. Did you ever work there? It back, was in a back when it was Slummerville. Back when it wasn't. Yeah, nice, it wasn't right? a fun place to be. No, it wasn't. It was in the basement of a restaurant called Red Bones, and it was called. Uh, yeah, it was called. No, I'm sorry, I'm confusing two different places. No, that's right. Yeah, it was called Barnaby's, and um, it was a tiny little basement. It was dungy, but they got crowds. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tommy Dunham used to book it. Another guy. Who Rest his soul. Yeah. Rest his soul. Funny guy. He used to book me down in Weymouth on Route Three. At the Bomo. Remember how he would be just leaning? You come and he'd just be on the couch yes. a big guy he'd just be leaning he'd just be like you're opening yeah. you funny <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah like he, i hope so he had like that mob vibe yeah he did he did he used to book it and um he, he so one night we were there i'd never met rogan rogan was there too and uh tommy goes hey you see that guy over there i go yeah he goes uh his name's joe rogan and i was like oh yeah he goes he's doing one of your bits and I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, he's a fucking asshole. He thinks you suck and he doesn't care. And, and I'm like, what? He goes, you oh, should no. say something to him. And I'm like, which bit of mine is he doing? He's like, oh, he's doing the cat bit. And I'm like, fuck. So I go up to Joe. And when I get closer to Joe, when I see like, you know, he's wearing a t-shirt, but you can still see there's like rip, rips, like, you know, there's, there's, there's <laughs> wrinkles where there shouldn't be wrinkles between like the shoulder and the chest. You know what I mean? So I go up to him and I- and There's I, an I, extra delt. <laughs> yeah. And I go, hey, uh. I go, why is Tommy trying to trick me into fucking with you? And he goes, oh, because he knows I'd kick your ass. Oh, you, you figured it out? But yeah, before I got to him, I realized, oh, okay. You know, when I got closer to Joe and there's that, like an aura of don't fuck with that guy. Yes. So I, I realized it. You so can I feel s- the wind from his last kicks. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see a spin and heel kick? I mean, it's just yeah, like, it's to, amazing. This, to this day. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't want to, you know, I'm already there. And I go, hey, so why is, uh, why is Tommy trying to trick me into fuck with you? And why is he, Tommy? Yeah. He goes, because uh, you know I kick your ass. And so I said, well, you try. 
Because, you know, it's Boston. Yes. I can't just suffer, go throw away my dignity. Yeah, I still have that. to, even though I know he'd kill me, yeah. I still have to put forward a you front. You simulate raping bikers, man. You had a rep. <laughs> oh, my voice just went up. You had a rep. And when it happened, I, I really lost faith in you. I really thought, Why is, now he's doing what I did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so he says, uh, I, I, I fucking kill you. And I go, dude, well, you, you try. And he, he looks me up and down. He goes, dude, I would fucking destroy you. And I'm like, wow, okay, he's really confident about this. I go, I'm just curious, why are you so sure that you would destroy me? And he goes, Tommy knows I am a champion of Taekwondo and all this stuff. And so I went, oh, really? And then now he's, now I'm thinking he's a little bit full of shit the way he's talking because he's so, right, he's talking about how great he is. So I'm like, uh, we start talking about martial arts movies. And there was a scene and an episode of Kung Fu, I think. I go, like that scene where the guy jumps up and he kicks the, kicks the beam. And he goes, yeah, I could do that. And I went, Come on. He goes, no, I could do that. And, and we're in the basement, right? And there are these, <laughs> these beams that are above us. And they're, they're like, I don't know. It's still a ceiling. It's not like, you know, you have to be six, seven to walk around in there. I mean, right. it's still. So uh, I go, what about that beam right there? You know? And he goes, uh, sorry. And he, he takes a couple steps back. He jumps up and he does like in midair, like kind of a split. And he hits it with his foot. And I don't mean he hit it. I mean, he hit it hard where dust came off of it. And I was like, holy shit, dude. Wow. Well, that would have been your head. That would yeah. have been under your chin. He kicked through your head. I'm like, wow, dude, that's amazing. And then, you know, we hung, he came into the circle after that. Like, he was in my class. Yeah, I always, I, you guys had, you had a really good class. Uh, you, Rogan. Uh, Robbie La, Prince. Robbie Prince, Lauletta. Greg Fitzsimmons. Greg Fitzsimmons. Uh, Paul Elwell. Um, Paul Elwell. Tommy Dunham. One of, other guys road gigs, one of my first road gigs ever, Paul Elwell, I opened for him. Oh, yeah? Yep, and he wanted to go water skiing. I, we were on this lake, and he goes, watch this. He goes, I'm just going to keep talking about water skiing, because it was the end of the summer, and everybody mm -hmm. put their boats away. Mm -hmm. And he basically said, I'm going to keep talking about water skiing, <laughs> and, and one of these wives is going to bug their husband, and we're going to go water skiing. And I go, all right. And he goes up there. <laughs> And he just started doing it. I don't wow. know how you work in water skiing into every other fucking bit, but he did it. And by the time we got off stage, you know, he ends the thing. This fucking woman comes up and you see the guy standing there like, you know, I guess I could take the cover off and blah, blah. We stayed the next day and this guy just fucking took him water skiing, dragged me across the lake. That was his, his bonus. I see. So he was doing it because he genuinely wanted to go water skiing. He wasn't doing it like, I'm going to talk about water skiing the whole time just to see if I can do it. No, he evidently water skied. Huh. I thought you meant like the way we used to tease, uh, dare each other to do shit. No, he just wanted the crowd to give him some free water skiing, and he just went up there. It was amazing. Wow. Yeah, I remember that guy. I remember he bought this Eagle Talon. Remember that? Eagle no. Talon. He was into this Chrysler. Is that a car? Yeah, it was a car. And he was saying, like, this is the fucking car to buy. I don't know shit about cars either. Yeah, Time Sports and cars, says I that, and I, I've never seen that one come across a Meekum app auction. Do you know what those are? That's no. where they, they auction off old cars. No. Coming up I'm next. I'm free of all that stuff. I get to go yeah, through I know, life but then, not worrying about sports or cars or anything. It's just. But yeah, but you fill it up with something. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Ooh, little shame in that. <laughs> you look down at <laughs> the me? ground. No, there's a little. You look down oh, at did, the ground. Did, was that did on I look, camera? Did I look devastated? I go. I go. Yeah, but you fill it up with something else. You literally just go like this, like. Yeah. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that about? Let's. Uh, Let's explore that. <laughs> You're too old to be reading comic books and you know it, don't you? I've actually been selling off my comics. It's turned into a fun little hobby on the side. It just so happens that a bunch of the comics that I bought when I was a kid, like at cover price, mm -hmm. um, that I've kept 
in pristine pretty good condition, condition you know, yeah. bagged and boarded. Because of the- What does boarded mean? Uh, you, they go in a plastic bag with a board behind it to keep oh. it flat. Do they say B&B in the industry? They just say bagged and boarded. Bill. Do you go to Comic-Con? <laughs> I have. I have that issue, B&B. <laughs> But I've been uh, I've been selling them off, and uh, it's it's not like you know a lot of money, but it's fun. It's a good little hobby. It's also isn't it great though to free up that space in your house? <laughs> no, just in your house. Like I it mean, is, yeah. I, I, I I'm I'm really big into getting rid of shit and and not accepting new shit. You know what I mean? People trying to give you, hey, you want this? Does your wife work against you on that? Because my wife does that all the time. Like someone could be giving away something. And my wife will be like, yeah, we'll take it. And we fight about this because, you know, like a neighbor, hey, we're getting rid of our refrigerator. We're getting a new one. And she'll tell me this. Oh, we get it. And maybe part of it is because I don't want to have to deal with moving this frigging thing into the house. But we have two refrigerators. Why do we need a third refrigerator? And you go, well, we can get rid of the one in the garage and use this one. It's like a $6,000 refrigerator. And I'm like, oh. Yeah, but honey, why do you think they're getting rid of it? Exactly. It leaks. There's exactly. something wrong with it. If it's such a good refrigerator, why are they giving it to us? Right. They're not even selling it. Right. Yeah. They, they want that thing out of the house that's a horror movie right there that's like the what about bobs of fucking refrigerators sorry hicked up there what about bobs of refrigerators see this is what it's like to hang out with the boston guy you have to call yourself on your shit before he does yeah you can't show any weakness and yeah, you no. gotta grab it right away <laughs> no my uh you know women they they're into stuff mm -hmm. the way guys are into real guys are into sports my wife is into contraptions. Sorry, comic books. She needs all kinds of devices. Gadgets. Everything from label makers. To well, you know why that is? Why? Is she feels like you're not man enough. So she feels you have to, she has to cover. I see. She I has see. to like, say you're like 60% a man. She has to buy 40% more gadgets to make now, up for Now, I'm going to take that insult. <laughs> and raise you. And I'm going to put you on the spot because I need a punch for something. Because I've okay. got an idea for a bit. Okay. I realize she's been tricking me for years to get me to do yard work and shit by going, hey, honey, um, you know, on a Saturday, I wake up, day's full, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. But she has plans in her head and she'll be like, uh, what do you want to do? Do you want to clean out the garage or do you want to mow the lawn? And all of a sudden well, I'm that's like- that's what you do to a toddler. Yes, yes. That says no win. What do you want to do? Right. You want to sit here and eat or go to bed? And she does this to me. And I've been falling for it for years because my brain's like that big. And I, but now I'm like, wow, okay. So the, uh, as a bit, I would say, I turned it around on her. You know, so honey, what do you want me to do? Blank or blank? So should I put in having the college girl next door blow me or something else? You know what I mean? But I, I, I'm trying to keep blowjobs out of my act. It's been too long. Right. Robbie Prince has shit in me years. Like, there's no joke I can't put a blowjob into. Well, then maybe that's your calling card. <laughs> maybe that's when people ask about your hobbies. You look down in shame because for all these years, you've never been yourself. I think you... Time to let I that, should embrace that, that flower bloom. I should embrace the dick. Because that's how I was going to say, what do you want to do? Suck my dick or fucking <laughs> ride my, ride my cock, right? I mean, that's the easy. That's the barroom joke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, See, now you, you know who would have been a great silence. comic? Who, who? would have been a great barroom comic? Uh, Tony Saragusa of the Ravens. Rest his soul. I just watched the thing. Every one of man? his sh every one of his stories he told on that thirty for thirty was. So then I told the guy to shove it up his ass. And he's like, hey, or like, it's today. You know what I say, hey, buddy? Kiss my ass. And he's like, ah! All the people. I love how you throw out a sports name and expect me to know what I you're don't expect. About. I just like the look of confusion and panic. I didn't know if on you were talking face. about an actor or what you were I talking said about. Tony Saragusa from The Ravens. Oh, but that's I don't right. know if The Ravens is a band or if that's. Uh, I a don't, comic book? Isn't that a superhero? Isn't there a raven? I don't know of a raven, but that doesn't. Is there a crow? There was a crow. There's a hawk guy. Yeah, but that's DC. I'm not into DC. I'm a Marvel guy, dude. Come on. Uh, mainstream fucking. 
Eddie, but that's like rooting for the Yankees. Come on, man. Ah. You can't go DC. Yeah, but I've been doing it since the, the 70s. I've been doing it since the 70s. Oh, you're old school. Oh, yeah. Like it, but it DC has us. Batman. DC has Batman. Yeah. That's the best one there is. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> no. He's all right. I think he's overrated, Batman. No, there's yeah. all kinds of great stories there. Uh, he's got all this money. Yeah. He bangs some chicks. Every yeah. once in a while, he wants to jump over the fence. He's got Robin. He jumps over the fence. <laughs> he swings his leg over. He just... <laughs> he's very progressive. He's got some... He's got a cool car, a cool motorcycle, and a boat. He's got all the toys. Superman's got none of that. He's a he doesn't fucking, need it. He's, he's a, a fucking nerd. He's down there working at the paper. Oh, we got a scoop for you. Okay. There's horn rim glasses. <laughs> Superman is basically... Any your average fucking juice head at a Gold's Gym with a cape on. That's all he is. You know what's interesting? I read. Although this he thing. does have a Fortress of Solitude, he does. Which I like the tone of that. Like this bitch is driving me crazy. I you know, that's his eighteen holes of golf. You know, because he's so fucking super, he can't deal with anybody else, so he can't hang Dude, with anyone. He's still an orphan. Still an orphan. He's not an orphan. He's an orphan. He's Absolutely. Not an orphan. What are you talking he's about? Not an orphan. Superman's not an orphan. He has parents. See now this. They, is what comic book geeks live for. They just died. I feel like I just wandered into a sports convention. and I'm the Lauren only one... Green was his dad. Who? Lauren Green. Lauren Green? Was Christopher Reeve Superman's dad? No, that was Marlon Brando. He was like, get out of here, you, <laughs> you little shit. I love how like the planet's blowing up and they can get him out of there, but they can't. Why, why didn't he just get on the thing he got out of there? He tried to warn everybody. Why don't Things they make this big. Why don't they make the plane <laughs> out of what they make the black box out of? <laughs> I just went 80s comedies on you. You just there. went full Seinfeld, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was that Seinfeld. Seinfeld? Well, that was my impression, but I was doing bad 80s comedy. In a Seinfeld voice. In a Seinfeld voice, yeah. but no, Seinfeld, come on. Are we going to talk you some You watch old? your mouth. <laughs> the blowjob jokes. How dare you even say that man's name? Do you know one time I opened for no, him? No, no. Oh, yes. That was his adopted dad. Yeah, Glenn Ford was his adopted dad, but his, his biological dad was... Um, Brendo, yeah. Now I've lost all credibility for being... No, I'm any- waiting for a board game to come on the table. <laughs> <laughs> tell, me, tell me your craziest road story. Dude, you know what's funny? I can't even remember them anymore. I don't really? know. I don't know. Craziest road story is for, like what? Like crazy things that happen. Like getting ready for this, I was talking to Robbie, and I'm like, give me some stories. I know he's going to ask me some stuff. So no, it's... Well, I put a few in my pocket just in case that I didn't know if you'd heard of. Like Noxie stories, Bob Seibel stories. So you don't really want to hear my story. You just want to tell your story. Wow. Bob Seibel? The psychoanalyst in you is really out of control. Well, maybe you're just an easy guy to figure out. You ever <laughs> think that? Wow. Well played. Well Thank played. You. Yes. I'm Thank not a you. mystery. Yeah, you, that was this done. guy just... used to fucking bully me at Bennigan's. Don't fucking do your little, <gasps> like you couldn't tell. You were a mean are you, kid. Are you talking about on the trivia machine? No, no, I'm fucking with you. You were always a nice guy. You were a dick. But that, you know, not Everybody a bad was way. a dick. I know, I know, I know. Relax. You know who didn't know? Bobby <laughs> Kelly. What? I would do to Bobby Kelly shit that I would do to you and do to other people, but Bobby Kelly didn't get what I was doing, and I didn't know for like- It's all about respect, dude! <laughs> for a full two years, he thought I hated him. Where, like, he never talked to me. And one time we were together, and I said, uh, dude, how come you don't talk to me? What's going on? And he was like, well, I know you don't like me. And I said, where do you get that from? He goes, the way you do, you say this and you say that and you do this and that. And I'm like, dude, I'm just fucking with you. We do that to everybody. And he and I felt really what bad. What did he say? What did I say? It wasn't no, what, what, I, no, what did he say? He was like, oh, oh, okay. 
and then everything was fine. And but yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I and it, it bummed me out. I didn't intend to hurt his feelings for so long. <laughs> I'm sure he got over it, dude. Okay, the kid had like three or four fathers growing up, so I mean, he, he was gonna take shit. <laughs> Gonna he take, did? Yeah. And the guy with the bike horn is walking around going, yeah. hey, asshole. Well, Goodwill Hunting was boring to Bobby Kelly. Wow. It's like, dude, only one guy with a wrench. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I lived with him, man. In New York, right? Yeah, we almost fucking killed each other. And our friendship got stronger simultaneously. It was the most fucked up. Yeah, dude, we were too, like beyond broken toys. Oh wow! And we were living in a in a, in a uh, railroad apartment, <laughs> and it was somebody else's. So I got the walkthrough bedroom, and he was sleeping in the living room. And we were just like basically, we just all living on top of each other. We were fucking animals, dude. It was wow. one of those days, dude. The day. So let me hear Bob Seibel. I love rest his soul, Bobby Seibel. You sure you want to hear it, or am I just projecting my stories onto you? Like, are you sincerely, genuinely want to hear the story, or are you just saying that now because I've thrown it up? And if you don't take it. You look like a bad host. I don't want to hear it. Um, he has a new book out. No, I, I do want to hear it. I, I miss all of those days, dude. Bobby Seibel and I, greatest guy in the world. So nice. I mean, genuine, just heart of gold. Mm -hmm. But he had no, like he would not exist in 2023. Like he would not be able to navigate all the, the, the current thinking in the current culture. He, he, we were doing a, a gig in Connecticut and we were put up in a Holiday Inn, and he got there before I did. It's a good gig, Holiday Inn. Yeah, it's well, a nice, it's nice. Absolutely, hotel. absolutely. That's Continental breakfast. That's a decent Coffee. hotel. Room had a microwave, so he got there before I did, and I'm checking in. He's already in the room. The guy gives me the key, and I walk down, and uh, whatever room it was, I go to put the key in. And as I'm putting the key in, there's this family coming down the hall behind me. Most purebred family you can imagine, like white white mom and dad. Everybody's like blonde, and they look just like out of a, a J. Crew sixties commercial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And as I push the door open, they're like basically right behind me, so they can look into the room. And Cybell's lying on the bed, naked, and he's got his dick, and he's holding his dick and twirling his dick, and he's he's like Burt Reynolds, <laughs> like a Burt Reynolds layout, all hairy and shit. And he looks at me with a family behind me, and he goes, "Parker, get in here, you filthy cocksucker." And this family just like freezes. Oh my and I'm like, God. Oh, uh, uh, and there was no time to say like, he's a comedian, he's kidding or anything. I just like ran in and slammed the door, which made it look even worse. Oh no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. What, their faces just dropped? I, from what I saw, they were just like, what the, you know, the, the little kids. Little kids oh, like, Jesus. Yeah. That's my favorite Bob Seibel story. Oh yeah. There was a lot of like unwanted male nudity growing up in the 70s and shit yeah. like that. Like I still, I'll still never forget this, this guy, we were coming out of a Red Sox game. <laughs> And you remember when mooning was a thing? Oh, yeah. These bunch of drunks on this big yellow bus had taken this, <laughs> had taken this thing to the game. And this guy in the end decided he was, <laughs> was going to moon the crowd. <laughs> so you remember those little windows you'd bring down? Dude, he sticks his hairy ass oh. out the window to the point like his balls are kind of hanging out too. And I remember just looking up and seeing that. <laughs> and I remember my dad going like, oh, Jesus Christ, honey, look. <laughs> honey, look. And he goes, ah, oh, Christ. I goes, hey, I wish I had a pole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there was a lot. Dude, I, I did a fight a fucking construction job one time. You did? Yeah, and this fucking guy only lasted like fucking eight days. I was just like, I, I was, we were roofing, man. I, I couldn't, it was oh, so. Oh, so that bit is based on a real thing? Oh, dude. Okay. I just remembered I could not eat enough sandwiches. I was just still hungry. And I was just, I was red as a lobster. 
and this fucking guy, he had like on a, on a pair of like dickies, and they had this giant like fucking hole here, like you usually have on your knee, oh, no. just to the right or left of his junk, and he mm -hmm. wouldn't wear underwear. <laughs> and one day, one day I'm sitting there picking up something, and he stepped over it, and the hole moved like <laughs> junk, and went. <laughs> and I just remember looking at him. That was back when I didn't say anything. Like I, he was also like my brother's. No, he was. He was the boss's brother, so I couldn't fucking say anything, but I wanted to be like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> Did it ruin your sandwich? Dude, I never Did forgot you have, it. Were you eating? Like, were you like... <laughs> dude, I could pick his junk out of a lineup. Like, that's how much it burned into my brain. Because I was literally down there, and it was just like... <laughs> and it was just kind of like... Uh, now looking back, it's like, why did you do... What the fuck is going on with you? Yeah, he had to know. That's he definitely knew. Like, you can't look at that every day when you're putting on your jeans and not know that's going to happen. Dude, full package. Mm. Uncircumcised. Oh, just, oh, see, that's just, even just worse. Hanging there like a condom. <laughs> you know what I've learned, though? Don't ever make fun of uncircumcised dicks in mixed company. Because oh, you don't God, know who's are you another fucking no, I'm snowflake? No, 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 no. That's I'm what kidding, I mean. I'm kidding. Because, I just wanted like, to say snowflake. I was with a group of people, and I was shitting on, you know, uncircumcised penis. And all of a sudden, this one couple got quiet. And she, she, her name's Kat. She looked at her oh, husband, Scott. I and I was like, oh, that. shit. I fucked up. I go, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, you know, I'm sure it's lovely. <laughs> but like, what do you do? Oh, I thought you were going to say that she wanted him to get circumcised and he did and they fucked it up. No. <laughs> no. That was Dick Kurtz when he fucks. Isn't that a thing? Isn't uh, there a webpage ded dedicated to that? I only know from what I've read about Elvis and his uncircumcised penis. I guess it does tear. What does? The foreskin. No, it doesn't. According to the biographies I've read, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Look, I'm not a doctor. I'm just telling you. So you're saying Elvis's God, buddy you're saying said he would saying, complain. Elvis would complain to his buddies that he was having sex and his, his dick would tear. That's because he was having so much sex. Could be. Yeah. He's, put, he's putting it in their butt. <laughs> no lube. It's the 50s. There was no lube. There was a war going on. The 50s? What do you mean? The the, the, up to the, the 70s. Well, the, the last Korean couple conflict. years, probably not. Well, I don't think he was fucking that much when he was on the pills. Yeah. He was that no. fat. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think his so. I don't think his dick was getting up to the higher registers. You doing coke now? No, it's just like I thought my nose was running and all I need is to have like a big snot bubble coming out, so I thought I'd turn my head. All right. We're gonna go back to the book. Yeah, like go back to the book. I'll be honest with you, dude. I didn't even know you could read. <laughs> <laughs> You're not the first one, you know, and that's just that's part of the No, like when stigma. I, I I've been telling people <laughs> You know, other comics that yeah. we started. I go, dude, Todd wrote a book and it's really fucking good. It's like, they always just, Todd? Yeah. I Todd keep Parker? That, and it's really insulting. <laughs> I know, but you think about, it, isn't it all, like so much of who you are is based on how you did in school. And then you, you just carry that and where your social status was. So you just, like, if, unless you were like the quarterback of the popular kids, most people just kind of walk around thinking they're morons unless they created, they went into their ego and they just created this other guy that just fucking knows everything. So dick joke comics can't have any intelligence. Everybody just assumes uh, they're just drunk assholes. No, my, my thing with like, I never uh, looked at it that way. Because I remember getting back to Rogan. Yeah. When Rogan was young, like, uh, you know, all of those guys that couldn't follow him would shit on him in his act and say, oh, he's filthy, he just goes up there and it's filth, 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 filth. And I went up, I mean, I went up to the Kowloon and the first time I saw him, I was like, this guy's not dirt, like this thought, if there's thought 
behind it. It's not a dick joke. Right. A dick joke is just a lazy thing. I always quote this joke that one of the first ones that I saw Rogan do that I just fucking loved was he was talking about, you know, women complaining that guys, you know, didn't know what they were doing in bed. Mm -hmm. And he goes, ladies, that kind of works both ways. He goes, you ever have a... He goes, yeah, he goes, guys, you ever have a woman give you a hand job? He goes, it's like brushing your, brushing your teeth with your left hand. <laughs> <laughs> then, of course, he expounded on that. And I was like, dude, that is such a great... Because everybody at yeah. some point, for whatever reason, you're like, what if I, try, what if I lost this arm and I had a brush my teeth? <laughs> it's like you're pushing the... Right. Um, so he had like, <clears throat> you know, that, that tiger's fucking thing was... Oh. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, that was, that was a monster He sounded like a fucking tiger. Yeah. And I also remember like his stage presence. Mm -hmm. The first time I saw him at the Kowloon and then I saw him, he had this set in Aspen back when they had that comedy festival and he just walked on stage killing. And the, the only thing that sucked was this fucking guy doing the sound kept turning it down. And I came up to him. Because he was yelling and he thought he was helping? Yeah, he thought he was helping. I just mm -hmm. remember, and it was like really bringing, like you still felt the power of it, but this guy really, he was turning down his lightsaber, right? Mm. So I said something to the guy and he goes like, oh yeah, he's like, I compressed the hell out of him. And I was, and I was just like, I, I said to him, I go, I wish you didn't. Because it was, it was like, you could just see, it was like, it was like turning down ACDC at right. that point. You know, yeah. like, you know, Joe was a younger guy. It was like a different, mm -hmm. like, that whole energy thing, um, yeah, yeah, I loved. It. I like all like there was so many guys from back then. I remember you telling the crowd to shut up because they were laughing too much. I was like, Jesus Christ! Really? Yeah, you were telling a story and they were laughing. You're going, shut up, shut up! I got to get to the good part because they were <laughs> laughing too early. And I just remember I was in awe of all of that. Going like, like I'm up there just trying to get laughs. This guy's getting so many laughs. He has to tell the crowd to be quiet to stop laughing. So. There's all of that stuff kind of burned in there. And uh, one of the things that I loved was how much you fucked with Laletta. Oh, yeah. Um, there was this comedian in Boston, Jim Laletta, and he, he would... Uh, great guy. Great guy. Oh, boy. He'd give you the shirt off his back. Here comes some stories. If you got to go, great guy. I, I, I've He's got a great guy, no, but this is what I look, did. I, Jim, we used to hang out all the time. I love Jim. He was great. Um, um, he, he just happens to have neon bright buttons that he basically begs... To be fucked with. Like, he just loves it. I mean, I, like I said, I've got nothing but respect for Jim. Not only is he hilarious, but he, he would give you the shirt off his back if you needed it. He's always he there. But he was one of those big-hearted guys. But you couldn't help but tease him. Like, he used to do this thing uh, for a while. I didn't have a car. So, and he lived in Roslindale. And he would drive me home from Boston to Revere just to be a nice guy. He had mm -hmm. this Hyundai, this white Hyundai. And... He'd be dropping me off at like two o'clock in the morning. I lived on this busy street and I would get out of the car and I would kick his back fender as a way of saying, hey, go fuck yourself. You know, <laughs> just like a funny, thanks for the ride. And, uh, and he would yell out the window, don't fucking hit my car like that. And then the next time I talked to him, he'd go, dude, why do you always kick my car? And I go, I'm just, you know, saying thanks. He goes, don't do that. So this went on for <laughs> 10 rides. And then what I love about Jim is he keeps giving you a ride. Yes. Like the solution, yes. stop giving Todd yes. a ride. Nope. Gonna keep giving her a ride. <laughs> and I keep doing it harder and harder. And then, like, after so many times, we're pulling up to my house and he goes, Wait, wait, before you get out of the car. I go, What? He goes, Listen to me. I'm asking you as a friend, and I'm telling you, I will not give you another ride if you kick my car. <laughs> and I said, Okay, I didn't know it bothered you that much. I'm just fucking with you. You know what? He goes, I know, I know you're just trying. You think you're fucking with me, but it really pisses me off. So please, I'm begging you. You're going to destroy our friendship if you kick my car. And I went, okay, fine. I get out of the car. I walk around like Joe Rogan. I hit that. I kicked that thing as hard as I possibly could. Like you could hear it. Bang! 
he gets so mad, he jumps out of the car and he starts chasing me down the street. He's running after me. And it was during the time where everybody's wearing those Sam Kinison long jackets and his coat's like flopping in the wind like Batman as he's chasing me. He circled around. I jumped back into his car because I got so ahead of him and I drove away. He's standing in front of my house in Rivera at 2 o'clock in the morning like, Motherfucker! Oh my god, he was like the Charlie Brown. <laughs> Just couldn't fucking win. <laughs> I miss those days, dude. Uh, um, me too. Hey, how, how, many, I, how much time we done? I don't even know, because I've just been laughing here. 54. Look at that. I can feel an hour. Wow. Huh? Just like that. You're like So, Gavin. dude, I am like... Oh, not, sorry, I was talking over you. That's all right. Yeah, shut the fuck up when I'm... <laughs> dude... It's amazing. Thanks. I'm, I'm glad proud you like of you. Thanks. Thanks, man. Most people really? sit around and they complain about how God didn't give you the facial hair to grow a full beard. You know? This is or, my choice. Or, or, or this is like, a choice. Or like the fashion sense to not buy that hoodie. Right? A lot of people would sit around and complain about that, but not you. A lot of thought went into this. Yeah. One. This I is coming this from was, a place uh, of love respectful. if you could just shut up. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. Thanks, man. Because I, I got to be honest with you. For the longest time, I thought you were one of the dumbest people I ever met. And there was no fucking way that you could even write a sentence. Forget about a full book that kept my attention. You're See, doing a signing. I am doing a signing. That was me saying I love yes, you. Yes. I, I, and, I, and I love you back. And I love you back so much, I'm not even going to fight it. I'm not even going to try to fight it. I'm just going to let you have your moment. All right. Ah, that was some fucking my moment. Fuck you. <laughs> I'll let you have your moment. Like, you're letting me win. No, I just, I know better than to go back and forth with you in certain areas. Uh, don't act like you respect me. Tell me, no, tell I, me about dude, your live book you, signing, you before cunt. We, hey, before we get to me, let's, let's talk about you a little bit. You no, know. there's people already peeking in. There's another podcast oh, coming shit. in. Oh, shit. I'm right? sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yes, I'm doing a pod. I'm sorry. You're doing yes. a live signing. Stop, stop resetting like we're going to edit this. We're not. <laughs> You go, okay, back to one and action. Line? Sorry. Yeah, I'm doing a signing. Speed! <laughs> I can't talk. I'm doing a signing February 18th at a place called Postman Books in um, Pont City Market in Atlanta from 1 to 3. Um, hoping to get a lot of people, hoping a lot of everybody who's watching this will That's show up. That's amazing. Yeah, isn't it? You wrote a book. You're doing a book signing. Look at you. Yeah, it's it's. Fun. You gotta get some horn rim glasses. Your little smarty oh, pants. Fuck uh, you, you think you're better than me? You fucking cocky, fuck bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Parker, everybody. The book is called Billionaire Boogeyman. This is a boogeyman. Boogie. Sorry. Jesus, dude. Sorry. I'm stupid. Billion. <laughs> Fair point. <laughs> it's literally written. The answer is literally here, and I still. It's called Billionaire Boogie, guys. <laughs> Billionaire Boogeyman, a novel by Todd Parker. Look for him in store. What's the name of the store? Well, it's on Amazon everywhere. It's Amazon. on Amazon. And Amazon what? is where you want to get it fast. If you want to get me sign, to sign it in person, go to Poseman Books and Pont City Market in Atlanta, Atlanta. on February 18th. That's fucking amazing. Thanks, right. man. I love you, brother. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming on. Thanks too. to you guys for watching. Have a great weekend, you cunts.
Hey, what's going on? It's Bill Burr, and it's the Monday Morning Podcast for Monday, uh, February 16th. And I'm back in the USA, baby! Finally. I should say I'm back home. I'm back home, and home is where the heart is, don't you think? Actually, I have a new recorder. I don't know if the levels are too high here. I have no fucking idea. I can't really hear myself. Um, The old girl finally died, I mentioned last week, the Olympus LS10 is what I had, and uh, they're all the way up to the 14th, and I got the 14th, which I seem to be enjoying so far, although I can't stand the fucking lady's voice. Every button that you hit, it goes like, recording, back to main menu, and it's this fucking English lady, it's like, what the fuck are you doing, like, why, why? When the fuck did an American accent just become like, you can't have that? You can't have it on like your, uh, like all these fucking, one of those things that I advertise on, on this, this podcast. It's like, they try to give you like, uh, for your voicemail, you have some sort of international, just not from America voice. And all of a sudden it makes it sound like you're like, hey, wow, I like this company. They must be fucking people over globally. All over the world. They're fucking, did you did you hear this, the, the fucking... Did you hear the outgoing message? Oh, hello. Welcome to Pinkberry. All of a sudden, I think I'm getting a higher class fucking yogurt. Because what? Because it's got an English accent? What the fuck is it with the goddamn English that everybody thinks it's so fucking... You know what it is? It has to do with the fact that we're over here on our own goddamn island. All right. And if it actually had some sort of French accent, all it does is remind you that you can't fucking speak the language. But with like English, all of a sudden it starts to sound a little hoity toity. You know who I blame for all of this? I blame Madonna. All right. Let me tell you something about that fucking lady there. All right. She's from fucking Detroit. She grew up outside of that fucking hellhole. Hey, by the way, you know something? Well, let's complete the thought, Bill. For the love of God, see it through. Okay, she grew up outside of that fucking hellhole. She does a couple of fucking whoop de doos around the world, singing her dumbass song in her mustard-colored pumps, and all of a sudden she's got a fucking English accent. It's annoying. All right? I've lived out here for fucking coming up on eight years. All right? I still, like, I still sound like I'm going down the turnpike. You know, I was just over in Asia that it come back sounding like I was from fucking India. You know? I mean, Madonna, how much are you searching? How bad was your fucking childhood? How bad was this country that you felt you had, you had, you moved to another one and then you took on their goddamn accent like they wouldn't notice? Why am I jumping all over her? All right, favorite Madonna song. What would you like? Would you like the guilty pleasure or would you like the one that I actually like the musicianship? <laughs> What's the guilty pleasure one? Oh, God. It was one of her earlier ones. You know? Before she got into all of that, I don't know what the fuck she was doing. You know, before the sex book, you know, where it's just like, you know, I'll fuck anything her, those years. It's like, we get it. We get it. All right. You like, you like dick. You like women, too. You like dick and women, you know? You like that fucking fat guy in uh, in Monty Python. 
get a better, get a bucket. I'm going to throw up. Except it's with dicks. You know, that's like this new thing I've noticed with comedy with women. Like that's like this fucking it's considered edgy. If they talk about their clams and it's just like, you, you know, with all due respect, you're just sort of a bar hack at that point. Aren't you? Aren't you just doing dick jokes? Because it's a vagina all of a sudden, you know, they're taking control of their bodies. It's like, you I don't give a fuck what you're doing. You're doing a dick joke. Minus the dick with the pussy. It's the same fucking, it's like Sam Smith with the Tom Petty song, right? It's the same fucking thing. Noah, stay with me. Um, it's just a fucking dick joke. Can everybody stop losing their fucking minds over a dick joke because now it's a pussy joke? It's the same fucking joke. Blah, 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 blah. blah. I, so let me get this straight. If you're shooting a load in somebody's face, you're just a fucking, you know, a blue comic. But if you're taking the load to the face, you're groundbreaking. Is that how it works with you goddamn kids today? Well, hey, more power to you. And by the way, I'm just fucking with Sam Smith because that song doesn't sound anything like the other song. And I guess when you speed up one and slow down the other, then yeah, yeah, then I guess it is the same sound. It is the same song. But like at no point did I ever listen to it and think of that Tom Petty song. And not to mention Sam Smith's song was way fucking better. And, you know, there's people out there that actually say, um, we're kind of going like, what the fuck when... Uh, when he said he had never heard that Tom Petty song and like everybody was like flipping out, mostly older people. So what do you mean you didn't hear the, uh, that big hit that was a hit when I was a kid? This is the thing that you got to you got to know about about these the kids. All right. They don't even know who the fuck Paul McCartney was. Paul McCartney came out and sang with Kanye West and like kids in their 20s. They don't know who Paul McCartney is. Some of them don't even know who the fucking Beatles are. And then those kids who know who the Beatles are, they listen to the Beatles and they go, what's the big deal? These guys are overrated because their fucking songs are 50 years old. At least the early ones. She loves you. OK, OK, yeah. All that shit. <laughs> um, all that shit. And right. And they're they're uh, they're end shit. Their end shit, the shit that they did right before they broke up is as old as me, 46, 44, 45, 46 years old. They don't know who the fuck they are. So if you don't know who the goddamn Beatles are, if they come out, you know, with Kanye West, okay, and he sings a fucking song with them, they're not going to know who the fuck he is. He, he looks like, uh, he, looks like he, he should be like a Civil War reenactor. No, he's actually more Revolutionary War. When I think of uh, Sir Paul McCartney, I fucking hate that shit. I hate how over in England they, they, they knight people. How dumb is that? Then what do you have? A little fucking pretend sword fight? Really? Is Paul McCartney a fucking, he's knighted now? What's he going to do? Go storm a castle in a faraway land? Or is he just going to put on a big silly necklace and get down on one fucking knee? Yeah, oh, the whole fucking thing's stupid. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, for the life of me. I didn't notice that that was the same song. And I don't get how that guy gets sued. But Lady uh, Lady Gaga doesn't with that Madonna song, uh, which was the exact same fucking tempo. And I guess the same chord progression and all of that shit where I would go in into like clubs or whatever. And 
just regular people were singing the Madonna song along to the Lady Gaga song. I didn't fucking ever think of the Tom Petty song with the Sam Smith song. And what I love is the second the lawsuit comes around, then everybody all of a sudden, everybody's Phil Spector now. Everybody fucking heard it, right? Everybody's got a gun in some fucking whore's mouth going, admit it, admit it. It's a Tom Petty song. Admit it, you bitch! Right? Isn't that what he did? Can you imagine being in a studio with that fucking weasel who's walking around with a goddamn gun, coked all up or whatever the hell he is? I just don't understand how people get into a situation like that. Like, how bad do you want to make it that you stay in a studio? The first time the guy waves the gun around, it's like, hey, Phil, I'm going to Burger King. Do you want anything? Yeah. You pull an absentee father thing. You just abandon the whole thing. What's he going to do? Do you think a guy that fucking crazy still drives? Probably has some old fucking limo, you know? Really high roof so he can hold his fucking wig. Um, anyways, you're listening to the Money Morning Podcast. I hope this thing is recording. I really hope it is because I can't hear myself right now. I have a bit of a cold. All right. I just flew around the world in the last fucking th- I still can't believe I just did that shit, man. Um, hey, you know what seems like a really hacky fucking city to go to is uh, Dubai. And that's just from landing there and then seeing all their advertising. You know, do you remember that? What was that fucking commercial they had where they fed those dumb whores? Uh, Oh, you know what? I'm trying to get better with the ADD here. Borderline is my guilty Madonna pleasure. And then my favorite uh, fucking actual song is Bad Girl because of Omar Omar Hakim, is that he said? His fucking drumming on that's the shit. Uh, and actually, uh, when they played it live, live on Saturday Night Live a long time ago, I remember uh, just watching him playing the drums on that and thought he was fucking awesome. Um, but it's a classic radio hit. You know, you listen to it three times in a row and you're like, you know what? I don't think I ever want to hear that song again. And then you got to wait like three, four years and then you listen to it again like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Shut it off. Shut it off. And that's when you know you have a hit. Um, so Sam Smith gets fucking sued. What about that new song that Bruno Mars is singing on? Because I'm down for going to give it to you. I mean, how many fucking times has that song been written? Don't believe me. Just watch. How many times has that line been written? Do. Do, 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 do. This here's that same song. That same song comes out every summer. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hey, don't believe me. Just watch. Um, Whatever the fuck he's saying. I have no idea. Uh, what was I talking about? Now I just, oh, Dubai. That like just seems like... Uh, if Jersey Shore was given a, just an open fucking checkbook to make a goddamn city, that just that's what it seems like. That with a little bit of uh, fucking uh, Kardashian Calabasas vibe to it. Like, it seems like when people go to Dubai, they come back and I imagine they would say shit like, like, dude, they had a Lamborghini store next to a Ferrari store. Next to a water slide where you slid into champagne. You know, all this fucking horse shit. And then outside of the city, they got like a fucking tent city. 
of all these fucking basically modern day slaves that had to build the whole fucking thing just by sitting on the airplane because we connected in Dubai um, after we left Mumbai that used to be Bombay. Right. Bombay is now suing Mumbai, just like Tom Petty sued Sam Smith. The same fucking city. There's too many of the same letters in Mumbai that was in Bombay, right? What would that be? Just the A. There's no fucking way I'm trying to do this in my head. Anyways, back to Dubai. So we, we connected in Dubai. By the way, to then depart, fly over Iran, and then f- over Russia. Now I'm fucking, as an American, I am nervous flying over Iran. But then when I looked at the stewardesses, and they kind of had those little fancy little headdress things on. I'm like, oh, okay, wait, I think we're all right. I think I'm on the right team here. I think I should be all right. So, but they had all these advertisings, advertisings, advertisements for Dubai for all these stupid hotels over there. And that's, it just, it reminded me of that commercial a long time ago where they had like, uh, uh, do you remember it was just some shitty restaurant, like Olive Garden, or it was like uh, a Domino's, you know? Domino's is fucking hilarious, too, with their whole ad campaign where they just admit that their product sucks. You know, like, you know, what, you guys, you know, you're right. I mean, we ate it. It, it, it tastes, yeah, you're right. It tastes like shit. We couldn't believe how bad it was either. We agree. We're joining it. We're joining it. Like, like during civil rights, you can't stop it. So you join it and then you take control of it. I uh, had some of that uh, pizza and uh, I thought it tastes like shit. Ask not what your pizza can do for you. You, you, you. Right? They just join the fucking thing. They come to our side of the fence. We're yelling at them going, your pizza sucks. And then they just join our crowd. Yeah, yeah, it fucking sucks. And then we're yelling at nobody. And the whole thing goes away. And then they come back with their fucking pizza. It's the exact same goddamn price. The lovely Nia said it the best. She goes, why don't you charge more than $5.99 for a fucking large? Maybe you could put a little more into the product. I mean, when you really think about it, that should have been their line. When people said that pizza sucks, be like, hey, hey, it's $5.99 for a large. All right, you broke son of a bitch. I'm just trying to fill that hole in your belly. Okay, yeah, it sucks. But have a couple of beers. It starts to taste better, doesn't it? All right, then. Who else is going to bring you this much fucking food for that little of a price at 2 o'clock in the fucking morning? Huh? Nobody. Nobody. We all know what you do. This is what you do. You or, Okay, you put in an order, right, for one large pizza, okay? Provide it, and then you pick another address out of the fucking phone book. And you order fucking three of them. But it's close enough to the other house so they know that you're coming to your house first. You order four larges for that fucking place. Then you have one of your friends hiding the fucking bushes across the street. The Domino's guy pulls up. All right? He jumps out of the car. He's going to leave it unlocked. He brings your pizza up to the car. While you're paying for that pizza, your friends go and they steal the other fucking pies. Then you run around the fucking house. Then you got four pies for $5.99. Okay? That's how it was done. Anyways, we used to just go out and just grab them and then just eat whatever the other people fucking ordered. And then, you know, a lot of times it was something you didn't want, like a vegetable pizza, which is so fucking stupid. It's like either have vegetables or eat something bad. Okay? Stop with the... You already have the guilt as you're eating this. All right? It's cheese topping or salami 
not salami, pepperoni, mushroom, something like that. Okay, enough with the fucking peppers and all of that shit. I mean, how much heartburn are you trying to get here? So then what we would do is we then eventually we'd start to order pizzas, you know, that we wanted a little further down the street, knowing that they'd come to our place first. Occasionally it didn't work out, and then they just went to somebody's fucking house, and they're like, we didn't order that shit. Oh, you serious? Yeah, serious. And then they come to our house, and then we'd still steal it. And that's how you did it. That was how it was done. Um, but it wasn't Domino's. What, what was that? I'm trying to talk about Dubai here. That fucking commercial. I think it was Olive Garden. Where they had these people sit down and they had cloth napkins and they had all this fucking pomp and circumstance, right? If that's how you say it. Um, pomp and circumstantial evidence, right? And then they're eating this pasta and they're going, oh my God, it's so decadent, right? And what I loved was... They had a bunch of animals eating the shit. So, of course, they think it's great. The second you throw a cloth napkin, okay, it's somebody that goes to a tanning bed. I mean, they automatically think that they're eating a five-star fucking meal. You've already, you've already mind-fucked them. It's like those psychological tests where they give them a pill that doesn't do anything, but you tell them it's going to make them feel better, and then they, they, they convince themselves that they feel better. Right? That, to me, is like what Dubai is. Dubai is like... You know, if you took Olive Garden's pasta or however they're trying to make it, you know, all the bread you want. Like that's that's Dubai. That's what it seems like to me. Having said that, I'll still fucking go there if I get a gig. You know, so I'm just trying to say all the shit that I would say if it was more of a free fucking area, because God knows I'll go there. You know, Jesus Christ, I'm going to go over there just to see what I have to wrap Nia in. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have a good time in one of those countries. I'm going to talk all kinds of shit. I'm going to make Nia walk like five feet behind me. Nia, look down at the floor when you walk behind me. Oh, that's great. They, they got it down over there, huh? You just wrap them all up. Yeah, that's you know what they're actually doing? They're actually admitting how much smarter women are than men. The fact that they have to have them on that level of control. You know, what were they doing before then? They must have just been running shit. And they're just like, we, we can't fucking, you know, why didn't you put your foot down? I can't help it. I wanted to fuck her. Right? We'll wrap them up. <laughs> if we can't see what they look like, then they can't use their vaginas to, to, to mess with our minds. I just don't understand why you would do that. It's got to be crazy, like when you fucking, I guess you're definitely going to marry somebody that you love because you can't see what they look like, you know, because guys will put up with a lot if the woman's beautiful. The same way a, a lady will put up, if you got money and you're making money and you can provide, they're going to put up with way more shit than they should, you know? And it's true, as much as nobody wants to admit it, we all want to sit there and act like we're that fucking badass that has a line in the sand that you won't cross. But give me a fucking break. If she's a 10, th th there's no line. Sure, you got it down there and she's stepping over all over it. And what are you going to do? You're going to walk? You want to walk. You know you should walk when you get in your car and you drive away. Fucking bitch. I'm fucking out of here. You know what? You can treat me like that. Who do you think I am? Huh? You fucking with the wrong dude, dude. Right? All that shit you say in your car. And then what happens? That fear voice in the back of your head. What if this is the best looking person I'm ever with and I, uh, and I never find anybody else? Ah, grow a dick. 
you, you know, you flip it back and forth, but you're not going to do it, right? The same thing with the broads. They do the same thing, okay? You walk around, you got yourself an ATM card, you buy them a couple of trinkets down in a mall, and all of a sudden they start feeling comfortable, right? Next thing you know, you take a little bit of your frozen yogurt, you flip it right in their face, and what do they do? You know, do they leave you? No. Do they pout? Sure they do. You know, but they're not going anywhere. You just bought them a couple of fucking T-shirts over at the Hot Topic. Where the fuck are they going? Huh? Sorry, that was really negative. All right, let's uh, let's do a little bit of advertising here. So many one of those ad companies figured out that if you say it three times, they're going to remember it. You know? What, what should I say here? What, what should I say three times that, that'll make you fucking do it? Uh, I don't know what I'm thinking. I feel like I got a hyper Joe DeRosa date here. Poor bastard's taking a bunch of heat out there. Let's see here. Where's Joe DeRosa going to be at? Joe DeRosa? DeRosa? Do 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 do. Where is he? Where is he? Where is he? Ah, Christ. It'll come up here in a second. My fucking computer. You just love how your computer's just a shit for like three weeks after you buy it? Yeah, it's the fastest thing out there, and then it just sucks after that. Such a fucking ripoff. Anyways, what did I want to talk about this week? Um, American sports. Let's talk about that. I have no fucking idea who's doing what. I know the Bruins were playing really well right up to the All-Star break. And then we, uh, I don't know, we've been, having a, I'll tell you, we've been having a rough one, you know. Um, I think we lost to Vancouver. It's the beginning of a big West Coast uh, trip here. And I got, I got to get back into... Uh, Watching that type of stuff. Um, I do have to tell you, our fucking sports are awesome over here. You know, we have at least three really exciting sports. Football, hockey, basketball are fucking exciting goddamn sports. All right? They have basketball over in Australia, but it's called netball. And women play it, and there's no backboard. I can watch that a little bit. But the rules are, I can't remember if they can't dribble or some shit. It's like they get it, then they just have to stop. I don't see any dunking or any of that type of stuff. But um, I'm looking forward to getting back into it. But um, I have no idea what's going on. One of my buddies up in Canada gave me shit because I guess we got swept by the Canadians um, for this season. It's so sad to listen to the Canadian fans gloat about that. Season sweep is complete, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's your Stanley Cup. What have you guys done in the last 20 years? Lose the Expos? <laughs> you think I give a fuck that we lost to Montreal again? We just won another championship. We won a Super Bowl. All right? In a real league, Montreal. Not that horseshit CFL thing you have up there. All right, where Bubby Brister can go up there and fucking throw for 500 yards or meters, whatever the fuck you call him up there. Every goddamn game. Give me a fucking break. Did I already did I already break New York City's balls? Do you realize that the fucking city of Boston with four teams has won one more championship than the than the fucking city of New York has professional teams? We have enough rings to give each fucking sad ass New York fucking team a fucking ring. And still have one left over for ourselves. With just four teams. That's why I don't respect New York sports and their championships. It's like you double down in every fucking sport. Gee, did you win one? How many at-bats do you need? 
two baseball, two football, two basketball. And if you include the Islanders, they got two fucking hockey. It's fucking pathetic. Oh, do I love rubbing it into those cunts. And you're probably going like, Bill, why are you rubbing it in on the? That's because they've been dicks to me my entire fucking sports life because we never, we never won anything. And they and all of them fucking just run and hide anytime Boston wins something. Or they try to, oh, no, I'm happy for you guys. I'm really happy for you guys. Go fuck yourselves. Go fuck yourselves. All right. I swear to God, it's what that city is, is it's the Yankees. The Yankees prop that entire fucking city up. If, 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 if it wasn't for the fucking Yankees, New York City would be exposed as being basically one of the saddest places to, to ever be as a sports fan. You know? Wait, but the Giants are good. What am I talking about? The Giants are good. But rather than that, all right, the Jets, horrific, 1969. The Knicks, you know, you have to get it. It's 1973. The Rangers have won one cup in like fucking 90 years, 80 years, right? What are the Nets have never won anything. The Islanders, they had their run. But at that point, it's like 30 fucking years ago. They're playing better though, right? I don't know. Just a sad... Sad fucker. You got the Yankees. Thank God for the fucking Yankees have won like 99%. I guess they probably won 99% for everybody, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm gloating here a little bit. It's been a hell of a fucking decade, everybody. And if you think I think that this is going to last, I know it isn't. I know that right now I am at the tail end of the greatest run Boston sports is going to have in my lifetime. I know. I don't know when it's going to end, but uh, I'll take it. If it just becomes like, you know, like the Bruins don't seem like they have it this year. It seems like they're going to have to fucking shake it up. Uh, Celtics, it goes without saying. Um, Red Sox, you never know. But today's game, we kind of seem like we uh, win it. Then we shit the bed. Then we win it. So we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll uh, we'll come back around. We'll try to stay. Uh, we'll try to keep up with the Giants. We've won three. They've won three in this century. Oh, we'll be like one ahead if we end up winning it this year. Who the fuck knows? And the Patriots, I don't know what happens with them. But at some point, Belichick's going to have to retire and Brady's going to have to retire. And then we're going to go back to being the team that I watched when I was growing up. And uh, you watch how that stadium empties out. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to go right. You know what would be funny is if you actually had a camera, right? like doing like this still photography and you had people who were there um, basically before Bob Kraft and you got them in their seats and then you just sort of fast forward through all the years. Robert Kraft, Bill Parcells, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, and you just see the stadium filling up, filling up, filling up, and then they gradually retire and then all the seats around start getting empty again and then you just see that same person you saw before Robert Kraft bought the team and he's just fucking much older. Ah, fuck, am I going to sneeze here? God damn it. I hope I didn't catch a fucking cold. Um, so anyways, um, somebody was telling me that they read a story that Pete Carroll said that, I don't know if it was like three nights in a row or whatever, but he was laying in bed crying that he lost the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's why I love Pete Carroll. I can't, I mean, I hate that, woo, and I hate the Dockers, but that fucking guy is so fucking driven 
He wants to win it. Do you realize, like, the pain? That guy. That guy was going to do something that I'm trying to think how many people did it. If he won back-to-back Super Bowls, that guy joins Vince Lombardi, Don Shula, Chuck Knoll, uh, Jimmy Johnson, and Bill Belichick. That's it, right? He would become one of six people to ever do it, and he'd be in the same the same fucking category as Lombardi, Shula, Chuck Knoll, Jimmy Johnson, and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick, by the way, I would actually say is the greatest coach of all fucking time. Of all fucking time. How long he's won doing it now in the salary cap era. The amount of fucking players... Switching in, switching out. Even when he doesn't win it, we still win like 12, 13 fucking games a year. Um, I, think he's, yeah, I think he's the greatest of all time. And I really hope that we keep pushing to get the fucking Colts to make some sort of public apology for their absolute fucking... They're such fucking babies, man. I love Andrew Luck. This is nothing against the Colts, the team. It's their fucking owner, man. That guy is such a goddamn baby. The amount of times that they've lost and then, you know, of course, they can't just lose. There has to be like a fucking rule change. He's got to send a video to the to the league office. It's like, dude, you lost. Oh, come on, loser. They must have the ball so I'm not airing it. Go fuck yourself. What a fucking baby, man. Anyways. So. But, you know, they threw it out there. It was great. They threw it out there. So forever, Bill Belichick, you know, by all the fucking people out there who just hate the guy, are forever going to quit. I love how Jerry Rice sits there and goes, yeah, you know, they should have an asterisk next to their uh, their championship and then admits to using stick'em. Give me a fucking break. So now what, Jerry? Now you're, not, now you're no longer the greatest receiver of all time? Give me a fucking break. You still are. Grow up. Um. So anyways, I was on the uh, I was on the plane coming back from uh, Dubai and um, I blew I blew basically all any any gig money that I made going through Asia. I I blew on plane tickets because I'm too fucking old to fly in the back of the plane. I just can't do it. Okay, I can't. I'm too fucking old. So I actually lost money (laughs) going through Asia. And probably lost a good month of my life breathing in some of that air over there. Uh, But I'm still going back because I absolutely loved it. And I fucking love the people over there. So uh, Nia was giving me shit because she saw the money that I spent. She saw what I was going to gross and then what I spent on plane tickets. She's like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was just like, listen, I go, you can't put a price on it. Okay. This is like a fucking vacation. Just look at it that way. And we're actually going to maybe make a little money on this thing. All right. But I am not gonna fucking fly to australia with my fucking pasty knees up to my chest i'm not doing it all right so enjoy it so like the entire time we flew, we flew business class all right and uh every time we'd go on and get a nice seat and i always oh, just kept looking over at nia just going you can't put a price on it you know you can't put i just kept saying that and she just kept shaking her head and you'd get off the plane, and then they'd give you a little pass. So when you went through customs, just letting you guys know this. So if you want to use your fucking miles, I'm telling you. Look, if you're flying within the United States, I mean, you don't need to do that. I guess New York to L.A. is a motherfucker, but you can handle that. But when you start talking about a 14, 10, 14-hour 14 fucking flight, take out your miles. 
Take out your credit card. Just, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You won't regret it. So we were flying back Air Emirates, and it was one of those double-decker planes. And we were upstairs in the business class. So we're, like, fucking ridiculously excited, totally exposing ourselves. Uh, and so I got went up to, to get to the, you know, we sit down. And, uh, you know, nice big-ass fucking chairs. And I, look, and I look over at Nia, and she laughs and goes, you can't put a price on it. I'm like, that's right. So uh, I get up like about an hour into the flight, and I go in the bath to go to the bathroom. And I go in the bath, and they have, a, they have a bar in the back of the plane. Like not a giant bar, but just like a little fucking, but a bartender sitting there with a bunch of fucking booze behind, you know, bottles and all that shit. And then on either side of the plane, like they got these S-shaped benches with like four seats with four seat belts and you can just sit down, put on a seat belt <laughs> like you're at a bar. So I like my fucking heart. I can't believe I didn't faint. My heart rate went through the fucking ceiling. So I go back and I go near, near, come on to the back of the plane. She's like, what, what? You know, she's watching some fucking TV thing. And I go, I go, come on, I want to get you a drink. She goes, what do you mean get me a drink? She thinks I'm just going to go back there. It's going to be like three stewardesses like huddled in the back. And we go in the back and she saw it. And she just starts laughing. We sat down, put the seatbelts on, ordered the fucking drinks. They had like olives and shit back there. It was ridiculous. And I looked at her and she finally said it. She goes, you can't put a price on it. It was one of the great fucking moments. And I sat with her drinking a goddamn drink, flying over Iraq, going, if I'm going to get hit by a fucking RPG, I'm going to be doing it like this. This is the way to do it. Right? So uh, that is the one thing that I've learned through all of my fucking travel is that uh, you have to have a line. And once you, you're going beyond. I mean, granted, I haven't gotten the bill yet. When I get that bill. Oh, Jesus. When I get that bill. Um, I, don't, I don't give a fuck. Fuck that. I don't give a shit. All right. I need to be comfortable. If I'm going into a goddamn country where I could get caned or hung, you know. You want to ride there in a comfy chair. So, um, all right, well, I'm already 40 minutes in here. I got to I gotta fucking move along here. But um, I can't even remember what I talked about last week as far as India. Um, I can't, I'm, it was such a good time. I, I, maybe I'll tell the story again if I've already told it. But after, after the gig in India, um, I hung out with a bunch of comics. All went out and got dinner and just sat down and talked comedy for uh, – for like a good hour. And it was probably one of the highlights of my career. Just as far as just one of the coolest things ever. You're on the other side of the globe. Hanging out. And you met people that do what you do. That have the same passion and love for it. And what was killing me was the questions. Were the exact same questions. That I would hear from American comics. Or comics I met in the UK or Ireland. Or Scandinavia. It's just it's because it's the same art form. And um uh, my favorite thing was in the end when it started getting petty, where they were going like, all right, Bill, who's a comic that you think just fucking stinks, but for un some unexplained reason is selling a bunch of tickets? <laughs> I just started laughing. I was just like, Jesus, even over here, it's like that, you know? But uh, I don't know. That's one of the really cool things about uh, about traveling or whatever. So... Um, I'm definitely going to go back. Definitely going to go back. And what's funny is um, Jerry Seinfeld actually has 
is doing four shows over there. Um, and uh, I was just back in New York. Next month, he's going to be over there. And I was just in New York, was doing the Patrice O'Neill benefit. And uh, I just happened to run into Seinfeld. He comes down the cell, you know, which is always fucking unreal when he shows up. And I mentioned to him that he was, you know, him going over there. So I was just kind of comparing, trading notes with them or whatever. So I can't wait to hear how those shows go. Because he was, you know, he's asking all the questions. Like, you know, can they understand? Like, yes. I was like, dude, they get everything. They get everything, all the slang and all that shit. But uh, anyways, I that, I don't know. I, I wish I could actually go to those shows. That'd be pretty cool, huh? Seeing Seinfeld in fucking Mumbai. Um, anyways, uh, so the Patrice O'Neill benefit, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you to everybody that came out to the... Uh, to the benefit this year, I actually think was one of the best shows because um, we only had eight comics this year. In the past, the thing is, is so many people love Patrice and so many people want to be a part of it that we've been having like twelve to thirteen comics, and it really gets like jammed up towards the end. And it's a union house, and if we go over, like you know, union, they finds it through the roof, and we're defeating the purpose of why we're doing this thing. So it becomes really stressful this year. There was only eight moved along quick and, um, you know, everybody crushed it. And, uh, this year was great. Cause I felt like by having Hannibal Burris and Michael Che on it, we actually had guys that were influenced by Patrice's comedy. Um, this is the first time we didn't just have like his peers, the guys he came up with that started at the same time he did, or maybe a little bit before this is when we actually had the generation of comics that, as they were deciding to become comedians, could actually have watched Patrice on TV and been influenced by him. And uh, those two guys killed it. Uh, Jim Florentine, Ben Bailey, Dave Attell, Jim Norton, Colin Quinn, uh, Rich Voss hosting it, as always. Uh, it was just an awesome, awesome time. I know if I always forget somebody and they're going to get fucking pissed at me. But um, I don't know. Thanks again to everybody who... who uh, Came out to that thing. We're going to, of course, do it again next year. Thank you to the Opie and Jimmy show for helping me promote it. But blah, 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 and all that type of stuff. And um, I don't know. It's definitely, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, one, it's my favorite thing to do of the year because uh, it is such a great cause. We obviously love Patrice and getting to see his mom, his stepdaughter, and his uh, his girlfriend. And, uh becomes like a like this stand-up like high school reunion man it's really fucking cool so all right here we go i gotta wrap this up because guess what i'm doing the second this podcast is over other than uploading it is uh i get to go see my dog i haven't seen my dog in like three weeks and i know what you're thinking like bill where where did you put your dog where did you board your dog and it's like nowhere i just kept her in the garage you know shit and pissed all over the place but i had plenty of food for her and uh you know i had her tied to a pole um <laughs> We actually border at our, our veterinarian, and my dog is one of the few dogs that absolutely loves the vet because she, you know, she's a pit bull. She's got herself hurt a couple of times because she's a maniac, and, um, you know, my dog's got this thing that he looks at you. She looks at you sideways like, who the fuck are you? The second you take care of her, that's it. You, you're, a, you're, a, you're a made man. So they took care of her a couple of times, you know. She broke one of her teeth one time and uh, 
couple other things she's done to herself, banged herself up. And, um, you know, they took care of her down there. Once she sees that someone's going to take care of her, she's like, she's like a little fucking goddamn baby when she's down there. So whenever I take her to the vet, all these other dogs are like whining going in there. And I'm like water skiing behind my dog. She's like dragging me in there. And what kills me is whenever I drop her off to board her, she's so excited to be there. She doesn't even turn around and look at me. She tails wagging and she just fucking runs away with somebody else. Kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. But um, anyways, let's get to the uh, let's get to the uh, the 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 fucking um, what am I saying here? The, the the letters for this week. All right, Sam Smith and Tom Petty. I actually kind of already answered this one. Uh, what is this one? All right, I've been a big fan of the podcast for years. I got to say hello and congrats to you and lovely Nia when you played Dublin, Ireland a while back. Oh, I got to say congrats to you. Okay. This is a trivial point, but I'd like to throw in my two cents on Tom Petty suing Sam Smith. Tom Petty is almost famous for looking the other way when people happen to sound like him. He's been quoted as laughing it off when last night by the strokes appeared to rip off American Girl saying his early stuff, and then he just said that his early stuff sounded like Chuck Berry. He even gave the Strokes credit for owning up to it. There's a similar story about the Red Hot Chili Peppers' Danny California sounding like Last Dance with Mary Jane. However, in this case with Sam Smith, Smith's response to the story was that he never heard I Won't Back Down. If we believe that, are we supposed to believe that every musician, producer, and other asshole who heard that song before it was released had never heard Tom Petty's I Won't Back Down? Uh, Maybe. So for what my dumbass opinion is worth, Petty either sued because he didn't believe the denial or he was offended because Sam Smith didn't know him and not because the song sounded alike. But what the hell do I know? Oh, that's actually interesting. Come back to Ireland sometime soon. Thanks and go fuck yourself. That's a really interesting take. I never even thought about that. If he just owned up to it, like you ever get pulled over by a cop and you just, you know, you know why I pulled you over? Yep. Yep. I made that illegal U-turn. Why'd you make it? Because I was impatient. And I didn't want to do it the right way. Do you know I could give you a ticket? Yeah. Yeah, I do, but I'm not going to lie to you. That's an actual conversation I had with a cop. And he goes, all right, I'm going to let you go. And then I laughed and said, you're awesome. And then he laughed like, not laughing like, yeah, this is great. He was laughing just like, I, it was just a weird conversation for him, I think. I always tell the truth whenever they pull you over. You know I pulled you over? Yeah, Absolutely doing like fucking you know how fast you're going yeah like 85 i was hoping i wasn't going to run into you <laughs> most of the times they still give you the ticket but sometimes if you're just fucking honest you know it's towards the end of their shift they'll actually fucking let you go um yeah of course being you know, a fucking freckled faced Howdy doody looking white guy probably doesn't hurt me either. I'm already hearing every, anybody not white listening to this going, oh, yeah, yeah. And if I do it, they beat the shit out of me. I know, I know. What do you want me to do? You know? It's one of my, I mean, I, I, I don't make the rules. I'm happy it works out that way for me. I'm, I'm sorry it doesn't for you. Uh, moving across the country. Uh, dear Bill Burr. Bill, I think your podcast, thank you. Okay, okay. I just, I, I just turned 23 years old. A few months ago, and I realized I have lived in the in the West Michigan town. I've officially lived in the Western Michigan town I live in for more than half my life. Can you guys please, please try to proofread your shit? 
This is his sentence. Okay, so I turned 23 a few months ago, and I realized I have lived in the West Michigan town. I've officially lived in the Western Michigan town I live in for more than half my life. All right, so he's definitely editing as he wrote this and just kind of fucked that up. This crushed me. Why, because you're living in Western Michigan? I like it out there. Well, you got to move to the big city? Uh, this crushed me, so I began saving up as I wanted to live in Portland, Oregon. Good choice. I've always been musical, and I want to go do the band thing, but I have never, but I have an associate's of science degree. So if that doesn't work out, I can go back to school. But in Portland, after establishing res, but I'll, do, oh, I'll go back to school in Portland after establishing residency. All right, so you got a plan here. My question to you is this. How much do you think I should save up with the plan to live minimally and just work a job slash play music? I've never felt I could express myself here as I am isolated. And since the town is small, high school follows you everywhere in which I was a total weirdo slash loser. Uh, thanks. And go love yourself. <laughs> um, all right. I totally relate. I totally relate. Like, you know, I was a loser too in high school. So there was that element of like going to Boston to try stand-up comedy. And I remember whenever I would get a gig anywhere near where I was from, I'd be so nervous that my entire high school class would show up and they wouldn't laugh and be like, dude, you're that jackass we went to school with. Who are you to think that you could make this dream come true? Go fuck yourself, right? So I totally understand all of that. And I also worked a day job, and I saved up money before I moved to New York. I paid off all of my debts. I just paid it down. I paid down everything, and I saved up uh, I saved up some money, and then I moved to New York. And uh, I went there thinking I got to get a day job. and uh, But I had enough money where that wasn't you know, it wasn't dire. Like I got to get a job right now. I could actually go a few months. So I started getting some stand-up gigs. So even though it was negative cash flow, it wasn't a hundred percent negative. Like say my nut, I think my rent, I swear to God, I had a walkthrough bedroom. My rent was, uh, it was four twenty-five a month. This is 20 years ago. And, um, but I mean, I had no spots. I had no gigs. So I think I did a couple of road gigs, went probably back to Boston, maybe did a Dick Doherty gig or something. And I probably made, Jesus, I don't even know. I probably made like 300 bucks, 375 for the weekend. But I also had to travel up there and I took the bus and I had to eat. So I was probably, and pay taxes on it eventually. So I mean, I was probably walking away with 125 bucks. So I probably had, you know, and plus all the other eating, living. Every time you walked outside in New York, it's like you blew 20 bucks. So um, I watched my nest egg start to dwindle. But after a couple months, I stopped thinking about a day job. I just started thinking um, I got to get more gigs and I got to get more gigs. And then what happened was I was able to kind of slowly stop the nosedive of cash to level it off a little bit. And um, then I, I booked some acting gig or something where I, I was able to make enough money and I just stashed it. And at that point, then I got a college agent. It just all starts to happen. You know what? Um, a guy I brought up on this um, podcast before, Mike Johnston, MikeLessons.com. I'll try to find the video for you, but 
he's got this great video that he does where he talks about, you know, or maybe that was when I went and I saw him live. I think it was when I saw him live. So I'll paraphrase what he said. But when he wanted to make money as a musician, you know, he just, he just totally, like his day, even his day job, he just stayed in the music arena. I'm really going to butcher this story, but he started giving drum lessons. All right. So that was money he was earning as a drummer. He started working at a music studio, tuning up the drums and that type of thing. So that was two-way, and then, then he got into you know a couple of bands, and he had a couple of gigs on the weekend. So that was three, four different ways that he was making money as a drummer, and he just keep doing that. So when you're out there, I would just make, make it all about music. You know, If you get a job at fucking Guitar Center or something like that, you can get a discount on some of your, your equipment. And then you can also get to know guys and you can start talking to people like I want to get into a band, join a couple of fucking bands. I mean, that's I would do all of that shit. And then also you can get a discount on all the recording stuff that you need. If you're going to start writing songs, I would just keep getting jobs in the music uh, industry because it seems to me like that's what you want to do. And then your backup is to do this associates of the sciences degree. Like that's your backup plan. Um just by reading your, your letter, it seems like, you know, you want to be in the music business. That's going to make you happy. So that's what I would do. And uh, you just kind of have to try to shake off that whole idea that, you know, you have to fall back on this college degree and this whole idea that you can't have a fun job. You can totally have a fun job. And it's going to be a job and it's going to be work and all that shit. But you can totally have a fun job. Um, you just keep applying for jobs. <laughs> that are fun and you will have a fun job and just stay there. And then that's it. And then, you know, you know how to do it, dude. You eat your ramen noodles. Dude, if you wake up in the morning, you just have a fucking apple. That'll fill you up and you'll be in great shape. You just pound some waters. Um, You know, you know the deal. Everybody fucking does this shit. I used to eat spaghetti. That was my thing. Spaghetti and and a couple pieces of bread. And that was my dinner. That would fill me up. And uh, I remember I didn't have I didn't even have a table. I had a fucking chair that I'd turn around. And I used that as the table. And I just would fucking get the prego. And I'd throw fucking spaghetti in there. I could make the fucking meal in my sleep. I didn't have to measure the water or anything. I just knew where to pour it in the pot. I just had it every fucking night. And I was so fucking sick of it. I remember like every once in a while I would either take a taxi cab. I'd just be so tired after doing gigs and just fucking every once in a while I'd treat myself to a cab ride or I'd treat myself. I'd actually order out. And when I say order out, I'm talking like ordering Chinese food. Because, um, you know, when you first move to a city, you come from a small town, you move to a big city, you're on your own and it's really on you. Uh, you're terrified to spend money. This is creeping thing. You know, you got to get your footing once, you know, you've survived for seven, eight months. One day it just kind of hits you like, hey, I'm on my own here and I'm, I'm making it. It's a great feeling. You know, even though you got fucking spaghetti coming out of your goddamn ears. Um, so good luck to you, sir. All right. So uh, work out. Hey, William B., do you still work out? If yes, what is your routine? Do you do any running or biking? Love the podcast, man. Uh I actually did quite a bit of working out when I was on, on the road because I was, you know, eating airplane food, airport food and that type of stuff and gig food. Uh, 
And I only think I put on like five pounds, which is pretty good, you know, for the amount of time. I was away for three weeks to only put on five pounds. And really what fucked me over was when I went to New York. I was there for a few days and, uh, oh, the booze was flowing. Anyways, um, do I do any running? No, I don't do running. Running kills my fuck. You know, you can't do that to yourself at my age. You can't keep running like that. It, it fucking, you need your feet, your knees, your hips. You need all of that shit for the rest of your life. What you really have to do at my age is actually finally sit down and learn about nutrition. So you're not eating your way into the gym. You're actually eating your way out of it. So you don't have to do as much. I do a lot. Like I take my dog. Um, there's a lot of hiking trails out here in L.A. The fucking greatest city ever. I love it, man. I have to be in that freezing fucking New York. I love New York and that shit. But uh, Jesus Christ, when it's that fucking cold and there's no Christmas lights out, it's pretty goddamn bleak. Um, but anyways, yeah, I kind of do that. And then I'm into uh, your own body weight. I have a climbing rope. I got a pegboard. I got a, I got one of those pull-up dip stations. I'm into that type of stuff because I feel like it's a much better strength being able to move your own body. And it's much more practical when you're in situations to be able to move your body, um, climb up onto something, lower yourself down onto something, just getting it up and out of bed is easier. If you're used to being able to handle your own body weight, as opposed to that weird shit with like bench pressing, which is you're pushing all this weight up off of you while adding this muscle weight to yourself, which is, I don't know. It just seems more of a complete workout when you're moving your own body. So I'm into that stuff, and uh, I'll skip rope, I guess, every once in a while. But I make sure that I do, like, I don't jump up too high. So it's more like I'm kind of not even, like, running in place. It's almost just sort of lifting a foot up and setting it back down. Uh, Once you get the muscle memory down, you can really minimally be slamming your joints as you're coming back down uh sort of like lightly running in place as you do it and i'll just do like two three rounds you know what's funny is i brought it i brought a jump rope on the trip and i never used it once i just never fucking used it but i did do like a lot of that elliptical shit and um i don't know so what i what's my routine all right it's my routine i do a set of pull-ups and I do it to exhaustion, as many as I can do. And even after I can't put my head over the chin, get my chin over the over the bar, I still are, am doing reps. Um, even if you only go halfway up, a third of the way up, an eighth of the way up, and just to exhaustion. That's the first set I do. Then uh, I climb up the rope, go back down, and then I go over to the pegboard. And it's weird because my garage ceiling isn't high enough. I had to buy the skinniest ones and have them go horizontal. So I'm actually, I only do the pegboard, but I go to the side. And at this point, I'm only at the point where, you know, I can take the pegs out like two or three times total, um, you know, and actually make it happen. If you do get a pegboard, you want to aim a little bit higher than the hole because your your body's going to be going down. So you actually stick it in there. And then the next time I go through is I do a set of pull-ups where I do the negatives, where you pull yourself up over the bar and then you lower yourself super slow. And that actually helps your reps over time. And then the next, and then I do the, I got this tree that I jump up and I, there's a branch that goes way out where I kind of do a, um, how the fuck do you describe it? Right hand over left hand, right hand over left hand, walking out towards the end of the branch 
and then I come all the way back again, um, and I try to keep my arms at like a 90-degree angle, not just hanging straight down like that. Um, and then the third set I do is a wide grip, and then it's the same thing again, and I go back up the rope instead of the tree that time, something like that. And then I'm always switching it up. Um, sometimes I just do three straight things of regular pull-ups or whatever. This sounds boring as shit, so I'm going to move on, but that's basically what I do. And then I take my dog for a fucking hike. That's it. And then I try not to eat like a fucking animal. There you go. And that is my workout. Let me actually do the last bit of advertising here. Fucking uh, Richard Simmons. What the hell am I doing here? I'm sitting here in candy striped shorts right now, people doing this podcast. All right. Out of the closet. Here we go. Dear Bill, I'm a 17-year-old high school student who recently came out of the closet. Congratulations. That's a very courageous thing. It's 17. Um, I have always been fairly timid and don't have a very aggressive character. Once again, even more courageous. Three years ago, I found your comedy, and I was inspired by your your religion of logic and passion. Listening to your comedy an hour on the podcast gave me exposure to a strong personality that I could relate to internally and be inspired by outwardly. If this is going to be all compliments, I can't read these. All right? At some point, you got to shit on me. Uh... <laughs> Without exaggeration, exaggeration, it moved my timetable up at least a year. For, forever, I planned on waiting till I was 18. Thank you for the inspiration, good sir. Uh, this is where you call yourself an idiot and downplay the situation. Ah, you son of a bitch, you were two sentences short. I lifted that move from you, too. When my aunt said I was very brave, I just brushed it off like you will with this email. Go fuck yourself. Jesus Christ. This fucking guy's killing it here. Um, should I be worried? Oh, it's wholly different. This is a different thing. I actually just assumed that this was a guy, too. It could have been a lady. All right. Should I be worried? Well, congratulations, sir or ma'am. Um, where am I? Uh, should I be worried? Hey, Bill Burrington, the first. Please read this on the... So I'm an English guy studying psychology in France. And I've been dating an Italian girl for the last five months. Dude, what are you, fucking James Bond? I'm insanely in love. This international cunt. What is the problem? Should I be worried? You should be worried. You're an English guy living in France, studying psychology, dating some Italian woman. That's fucking awesome. I want your life. Uh, he goes, I'm insanely in love with her, and I think she may be the one, or at least the mother of my hypothetical children. Hilarious. We both have a long history of relationship. I've been with a lot of girls, and she's been with a lot of guys. Nice. You both experienced and You came out of it unscathed. No STDs. That's, that's great for both of you. You know what that's like? When you've banged a lot of women, and she's banged a lot of guys, and you get there unscathed, you know what that's like? That's like one of those great fucking Super Bowl matchups. You know, that's a pick em. It's like the Cowboys Steelers, 79. Uh, I'm insanely in love with her. But, 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 but wait, okay. The other day I bought, I brought up an ex and this obviously pissed her off. Yeah, what the fuck? You don't do that. Because she then said she was speaking with an ex on Facebook and, and he said he wanted to marry her. I know she's still friends with some of her exes, though so am I. But I still, th you guys both need to fucking grow up. All right, either get out of this relationship friends with your exes but i still think her getting messages from these guys who clearly still want to fuck her is messed up obviously and why are you still talking to your ladies uh you're keeping them in your little fucking dick orbit aren't you 
we're moving in together at the end of the year, and usually you would say, dump the bitch. No, I'm not. I'm saying you both need to grow up. But she says she loves me, and I can't lose this one. She's fucking beautiful, smart, funny, and sweet. So should I be worried about these fuckers and therefore bring it up, or should I just shrug it off? Thanks and go fuck yourself. What I think you need to do is you need to commit to this woman. You have to tell her, say, listen, I'm not talking to any, my, any more of my exes, and, it, and I would appreciate it if you would do the same. I think we got a great thing going here, and, um, you know, I don't, I don't feel it's right that I'm still in contact with women that I used to be intimate with. It doesn't feel right to me anymore the way I feel about you. And I'm hoping that you feel the same way about you keeping in contact with your exes. I'm not trying to have a fight here. I just want to have a, a rational conversation. Just start that way. And then you know what? You commit to her, dude, and it, it, it's over. Okay, all those other fucking guys that banged her and all that type of stuff, did they give her a ring? No. You know? So you sound like you're an older guy as far as like you've been down the fucking, you know, you know, you've been hacking your way through the jungle for a while. Who the fuck's kidding who? All right. What are you going to do here? You know, you're going to lose this one. I don't think you're going to. So commit to her and then just show you commit by, by, you know, once you lead by example, maybe that'll work. I don't fucking know. But uh, that whole bullshit where you're both staying, uh, where you're both fucking, um, you know, staying in contact with your exes is bullshit. Uh, come on. Who's kidding who? And you know if you're a little drunk and then you get on the fucking Facebook there, shit is said, blah, 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 and all that shit. So you know what you need to do. You both do. All right? Good luck to you. All right. That's the podcast for this week. Go fuck yourselves. Oh, there's Joe DeRosa. Joe DeRosa will be at the Punchline in San Francisco this weekend. Old Twinkle Toes himself. So if you're in the San Francisco area, go see fucking Joe DeRosa. All right? There you go. That's my two cents for the fucking week. Uh, I'm going to get caught up on some Bruins games. I'm psyched to be back. And once again, thank you. Thank you to everybody, Australia, New Zealand, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Mumbai. Uh, Thanks for coming out to the shows. 